A word to the wise. We are an explicit podcast tackling content with adult themes as well as entering spoiler territory if you aren't caught up with us. That would be through part one. So through chapter 19 of The Lost Metal, the seventh entry in the Mistborn. Is it eight now because Secret History its own book? It's a novella. It doesn't really count. The second or the seventh novel in the Mistborn series and the fourth novel in the Mistborn era two quadrilogy hey there this is cross and i'm pj and we are words and whiskey a podcast for veteran and novice readers like we tackle fiction novels and love to talk about what we're drinking you should think of us as your intoxicating weekly book club it's been a while since I've said something confusing in the intro, huh? It has been a bit. I, I was about I needed saying, to bring it back. I think the last time that you were needlessly confusing was probably like Alloy of Law or like maybe Shadows of Self when you're like the second book in the first trilogy or the first book in the fr-, like you did something like that. Uh, yep. Uh, you may have also done it in Bands of Morning. I, I might not be giving you I'm enough sure credit, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So did I say the intro? Yeah. Did I? And we are words and whiskey, a podcast for veteran and novice readers alike. Yeah, you, you said Did that. Did I? Yeah. Okay. Today is our second episode discussing <laughs> the Lost Metal by Brandon Sanderson, and we are going to chat about chapters eleven through nineteen through the end of part one. Is the plan? Yeah. But before we talk too much about that, PJ, let's talk about what we're drinking. What are we starting with? Let's, let's drink a little with? bit. I have a shot glass full of Tito's vodka. I have a like half shot of, <laughs> I mean, it's like three quarters of a shot, whatever, of end of days rum. Nice. So usually we do this during our devil's cut every episode where we take a shot and then chat about stuff, which you can find at patreon.com slash words and whiskey. But we, we didn't record one before this episode. We're doing that later. Because it's the Bacchanal today for Pierce Brown in the Red Rising series. Yes. So, so we're instead in, instead we're doing this right now. Yeah. We're running around like a couple of chickens with our heads cut off and kind of splitting this episode a little bit. But there will be a devil's cut for this. It's just a question of what we'll what and when we'll record it to talk about. Mm-hmm. So very excited nonetheless for that. So cheers. Cheers. So good. Oh, Mm -hmm. hot though. Following that up, PJ, what are you drinking today? I have a beer from Blackstack Brewing Company. Mm -hmm. It looks like, oh, Blackstack and Horace. Mm. So Horace aged ales out of Oceanside, California, and then Blackstack out of St. Paul, Minnesota. Did this photo fermented fruited sour called For the Birds. Hmm. So it has prickly pear, pineapple, key lime, and coconut cream. Ooh, more of a funky sour, which I like. How? What about you? Cool. I am having an Edward Teach brew, one of the newer ones, because they, you know, they rotate stuff and they do that. It's called Souls for Sale. It's a hazy IPA, 6.6%, and its description I love, so I'm just going to read it here because I think it's great. Copper, mosaic, and Belma hop additions battle over an aroma of tropical fruit and stone fruit until no contest. What's left in the wake is a lusciously fruity and juicy flavor balanced with an approachable bitterness and a medium to light body. Some will say that everything is for sale if the price is right. 
How low will you go? And I haven't tried it yet, so I'm going to crack it right now and give it a try. Mmm, yum. That is so good. They've they've been on like a tear lately with just incredible beers, which is cool. Yes, I'll have to visit sometime. Yeah, they're they're just great. to go there. They were, you know, if if you talk to a couple of our friends that had visited, they were a pretty good brewery when they visited. Like they weren't one that we really put on the radar. They had like a good standard beer and then they had a decent stout collection. I'm sure they had like a shift in production or a shift in ingredients or a new brewer or something along those lines or just started like dial it in because it has been incredible over like the last year and a half or so you can honestly probably trace my excitement with edward teach over the course of our podcast and how much better they've gotten yeah i i feel like you mainly started drinking it because of its association with blackbeard yeah right i mean it was just fun and like the teaches peaches are it's good a cool theme like you know mm-hmm. yeah so cool all right Well, that's what we're drinking today. So before we get into the chapters themselves, PJ, how do you feel about this week's reading? This week's reading was very wholesome. Mm. There's a lot of good. There's also a lot of bad feelings. Mm -hmm. It's a feelings episode, I think. This is a feelings episode and like a setup. Like this is this is the most to me out of the three books. This is the most interesting choice for a part one of each of them. Like this is kind of off the wall versus where the other books go for all intents and purposes so i love it though i'm in yeah fully in by the end of this part was when i was like all right i'm i'm in on this one brandon this is when i was like you you did dial it up you did punch up some things i'm really excited and again this is like a week of mostly short chapters but compared to last week, the questions are like double. The statements are like double just because yeah. there is physically so much that happens in these pages. Emotional exploration that we've never gotten from characters internally before. Some like relationship exploration from different perspectives that we haven't seen before. And on top of that, some conversations with God and science that are just excellent to explore. So we're, we're going to have a whole lot to uh, to adventure into. Mm hmm. So with that, let's kick it off. We've got chapter 11 here that we start with and Steris and Wax arrive back at the Ladrian mansion that we'd previously become accustomed to in the prior trilogy of novels. And we now find ourselves greeted by Alec, of whom has taken up residence in their absence. We also find out quickly that Alex is really ex- Alec, excuse me, is really excited about showing off and sharing his pastry prowess with all of the guests of whom come to the mansion. What do you, what do you make of, you know, seeing Alec again and kind of his sort of warm, uh, joyful, Swedish sounding soul? It's adorable. Yeah. And <laughs> Swedish sounding soul, yes. <laughs> he he is the Swedish chef, or the, the Swedish baker. He, it's, he's got an adorable obsession with chocolate and pastries, and I want to attribute that to the Mal- Malwick people in general, but I think it might just be him. Not quite sure. <laughs> they do a lot of, like, they need a lot of heat. Mm-hmm. They, they're, they're a cold people, so yeah. they installed the oven. It seems like primarily just, I don't know if it was Wax making a joke when he said they installed the oven because they couldn't get enough heat, or if it was just kind of a coincidental thing. I, I'm not I'm I'm not sure what to make of that comment, but that's a great point. I actually I, don't know either. Like it it's very like it's almost there there are a couple of different layers to it for me too where it's like did they install the oven I, not even connecting to the heat like 
are they like would they bake goods in these houses to begin with that was kind of one of my first thoughts like is an oven you know a traditional thing that you would be cooking in 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 these houses in these families like we have no idea so on top of it i was just like is this an excuse to get an oven and like you're layering that on top as well or is an oven a new thing yeah also as far as like electronics go Mm -hmm. like is it an electric oven is it gas is it i don't know I don't know. Wood I don't know the history of ovens and how. Yeah, like, no clue where the switch from like hearth, hearths to ovens happened. It's a great point. I also have no idea. <laughs> fair, fair question. Fair point. But yeah, I, I love seeing Alec again in this moment. It just it feels so good. It feels so good to have our dude back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Of course, Wax does find that half-eaten meat bun that was left in his pocket from last week that we had discussed, but Milan walks in wearing a dog body to distract us very quickly (laughs) from that little piece of information, that little bit. It's pretty wonderful to catch up with her and find that she's found this form as a dog to be fun to play with little Max in. Wayne and Marisy, of course, arrive shortly thereafter, and we begin to catch up with the group and what they are there to do here with the spike. There's also a fun exchange here between Wayne and Steris that also shows that they've grown to appreciate each other and grow together a bit as well, as Wayne smiles at a joke that she makes comparing him to a slug when discussing their rights. It's just kind of nice to see, like, the gang back together again, you know? That's kind of the vibe Mm -hmm. here. Yeah, as I said initially, there's just so much heartwarming, and this is where it really, really is densely populated. Milan here also has some cool conversation about how the body sort of influences how they think of themselves, which makes sense, but they still maintain the sort of demeaning nature of a non-human form, but she's always been kind of rebellious. So it makes sense that she's okay with this. It's nice to see Wayne being a little bit less surly towards Steris. And that slug comment was absolutely hilarious. I I love the slug comment. I love that sort of wholesome nature that happens between the two of them. Because it did seem like he was hating Steris. I, I don't want to say for no reason. The reason was because he believed that Marisi was the better match. But it kind of feels like for no good reason. Like, he doesn't really have... A specific reason derived from Steris herself, like her her being offensive or aggressive against him. It's really just sort of an implied rationale as Wax is, you don't want to say like Jiminy Cricket, but like weird, mad, crazy Jiminy Cricket, like being some kind of weird moral, I don't know what the fuck in the previous (laughs) bits, but right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's kind of the vibe I get, you know? Yeah. I I hadn't thought of it that way, but. I'm I'm tracking. Yeah, I mean it's that's it's not a perfect connection by any stretch of the imagination, but it is just the one you know that I make. Mm-hmm. Dope, but yeah, it's it's great. It does kind of it has the vibe by the end of this when everyone splits that this is kind of the last time that we might see them all together until maybe the end when they may all come back together. But this very much has the Avengers Assemble kind of pre vibe into the post vibe of like, are we all going to come back in one piece? Yeah, like that last clubhouse scene with with Kelsier and the crew. Yeah, very similar. Yeah, yeah, great. Better, much better parallel. Good call. But we're at the beginning of more relevant, maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah. More relevant, maybe not more accurate, but important. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I just think that it's a it's a great little moment here. 
But in the end, while brought together in this moment and talking about the spike, Wax finally puts two and two together, coming to terms with the fact that Harmony expects him to construct an earring out of trellium to put into his ear, and that the mystery would would be what egged him on to do so to begin with. It would have driven him to kind of pursue this path that otherwise he may have just said, no, I'm not going to do it. Like we learned later, he did a year ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is such a tricksy move by Harmony, mm-hmm. knowing that he'll get sucked in by a mystery. <laughs> right, exactly. Playing him that way. Totally, like, just giving right. him little clues. Like, what What a bastard. Ah, damn it. Damn it, Sazed. You're so smart. You know people so well. But there are two other, like, fun little notes here that get tucked inside as well. One, that Milan is heading off planet, perhaps just between planets even, kind of by the way that she says it. She might not even get to another planet. And that Alec and Marisi's relationship has definitely progressed off screen during the intervening six years, four years, kind of seeing each other on and off and then actually dating for the last two, I think is what's said. As he brings in some of their favorite treats that they get to share, including chalk, which might I say just as a complete side tangent to what I just said throws me off every time it's said does it throw you off every time it's said like yeah i just it doesn't feel right and it always like it, it's not that it pulls me out of the story but it, it's grading a little bit yeah yeah it's definitely weird mm-hmm. yeah i need to know the process by which milan is supposed to travel like i i so badly want to know and hope hopefully maybe we'll get her perspective soon i don't think we've had a perspective from milan yet in the previous book it's a great question. I looked at all of the perspectives earlier today to do account for things for reasons that are later, okay. but I didn't double check Milan. I don't know if we did. Mm. I don't think we did. Part mm. of me says that I think we did in the last book. We might have in the f- first book. She wasn't in book one. She was in Shadows of Self. No, I mean the first or the third book, I guess. Oh, in, in Hero in of Ages? Hero of Ages. Maybe. I can't remember. Okay, so it's not in Shadows of Self. Thankfully, a bunch of nerds on the internet compiled this for us. Thank you, nerds. We love you. Love you, nerds. Love you, nerds. I genuinely... I I don't think we did. I am curious enough to double-check. That's summary. I want statistics, you bastards. Where did you hide it? Stats. There are 11 POVs in that book. Milan does have a POV. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. For 240 words. Wow. Yep. That's, that's real short. That is... When I'm counting pages, when I'm writing, that is a page. <laughs> yeah. uh, you, you count, for for me at the very least, the way that I've always counted pages has been 300 words is equal to a page. So, yeah, it's under a page. Hmm. I don't remember I don't either. <laughs> what that perspective was about. Yeah, <laughs> All right. yeah, I have no idea, but now we know. The, the question has been definitively answered, so, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, okay, so Milan heading off planet, very exciting, very interesting. How's she going to do that? Hopefully we get a POV. That's a fascinating thing. The only time that we've seen something similar to this is in Secret History, in which Hoyd was kind right. of spinning around on a body. Not that he was going between planets, but just that he was on that level in general. And is that mm-hmm. where she has to go? 
we know that the pools are related, but we don't like we don't have all the information. Right. Exactly. Tackling the second half of that sort of commentary between Alec and Marisi dating for two years, but they've been pretty flirtatious for six. I'm guessing they started dating after he officially moved because he had Mm -hmm. been just shuttling back and forth and like making convenient trips to go see her and then gained that junior ambassadorship role, I think like two years ago. That. Yes, that sounds proper where he actually got where it actually happened. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that timeline lines up. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and that comes into play much later. I want to say it's like chapter 16 or something like that, where we really begin to talk about like the I think it's when they're reflecting on Admiral Dahl and the relationship there that that comes in. Actually, I think that's 18. But yeah, we'll talk about that more in just a bit here. Sounds good. Yeah, I mean, their relationship in general and the progress there is great. But we end the chapter with Marisi and Stairs reflecting on what the set's plan could possibly be shipping things into the city with Wax preparing to do science shit and with Wayne and Milan heading off to have an important conversation. It felt important to me, for the record, to encompass and to make sure that we encompass this week all of the science shit. Like, I was never going to break this up in two weeks because I feel like science it would have just been, like, way too much pressure and, like what the fuck isms you know if it were if it were like left unsolved so i considered it briefly but i was like nah nah makes sense and i like that we end at a part right it's also great that it's just two two episodes for a part Mm -hmm. yeah but nice little breakup of the group Mm -hmm. and maybe forever yeah i mean we're not quite done with the whole thing yet because obviously milan gets some exposition here and then we you know that's what we're going to talk about in this next chapter so we go into chapter 12 and we open this chapter back up in wayne's perspective and it starts on an incredibly somber note about his penchant for pretending to be other people to hide himself and what he feels about himself deep down and it doesn't really get easier this week from there. For the most part, he's stuck in this mood for the rest of the the episode. And we quickly move from that thought into a breakup conversation between Milan and Wayne. It's the one that we knew was coming from last week. But damn it, it's still it's still very, very sad. Yeah, it's pretty rough. Yeah. And it hits really hard. <laughs> I appreciate how open and honest Milan is. But fuck, dude. Like... <laughs> It's nothing like attacking, but it's definitely. What else do you expect from an immortal dating a human? Yeah. Like there's going to be those differences and there's going to be that sort of discrepancy in outlook and what they need from each other. And it's it just hurts <laughs> it's it's incongruent right like it it's totally like puzzle pieces that cannot fit together but desperately like have been trying to push themselves together and unexpectedly so and i think that's why it's so heartbreaking is that like milan does really love wayne it appears or that doesn't love because love on the time scale of an immortal that's kind of what she's getting at but um she didn't expect what she had with wayne and meanwhile, Wayne is definitely in love with her. But again, that's because of the inevitability of his own death and sort of the the different timescale. It's that incongruence again between them. And it's well executed on Brandon's part. Who would have thought that I would love a Chandra relationship, Chandra human relationship so much? Mm-hmm. What we do learn here 
is that Wayne fucks. We do learn that Wayne fucks, apparently. <laughs> it was a question in Bands of Mourning in that one moment. If he actually fucks, the answer is Wayne fucks. And, and again, this this gets one of the things that I appreciate about this book. Like we like we heard Brandon say when we were at the convention, he's not pulling any punches. And this is just an example of, again, to me, with the humor, with everything else, of not pulling punches. Like, this is a Wayne-esque comment. This is a real grounded thing, and it feels right for the story to include. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel outlandish, you know, or yep. comic, like caricature comedy which we've said before comic strip comedy almost mm-hmm. yeah now i'm just trying to now i'm just trying to fit wayne into the ruby of the sea song from critical role ruby of the sea song the is the best lay ever oh yes 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 yes, yes. <laughs> For some, I was getting the Ukatoa song stuck in my head. The Ukatoa, Ukatoa, gotcha. keep them locked away. Yeah. And I was like, "That's not Ruby of the Sea. Where, where that? Yeah, it's the Scanlan from season one, right? Hmm? Scanlan from season. Isn't that from season one? Or am I? No, do I not no, know what the song is? It's Jester. I might not. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. From when she visits home, right? That was like for me in terms of me time. That was like three months ago and many Mm -hmm. hundreds of hours of everything ago (laughs) yeah sorry for the the critical role interlude i just appreciate that you're watching it now too so you have some i've got some references yeah i i will say side tangent inside of the episode i i feel like some of those things are kind of lost on me because i didn't get the community reaction at the time not all the time like there's some good bits and jokes and stuff like that that i've i've retained but because i'm also mm-hmm. trying to avoid some semblance of spoilers for the rest of the season i also haven't put myself in that so i'm sure once i'm done i can look at all the season two stuff and have a really good time but i'm roughly a third yeah, of the way I, through. i think that that song comes up again and like they use it more often i really kind of steer clear of the community too so yeah it's all just kind of me (laughs) that's fair that's fair cool all right nice okay but milan sorry (laughs) no it's all good it's all good i think that was a worthwhile tangent milan does take a second though to describe her mission a mission to a place called shadesmar which seems to describe the dark vastness out there between worlds or maybe a plane that they can travel to get between worlds it's not perfectly clear what this is but it does have a name and have a purpose as sort of a transient plane i guess is the best word for it that and how excited she is in general to go explore the Cosmere and to meet other cultures and peoples, not just people, but peoples. So, yeah, it's, I mean, it has name and it's a pretty cool one. True. Shades Mars, pretty sweet. Through this section of the book though, I was just imagining this conversation kind of happening between if this were to ever happen, spouses or friends of people that are going on like a one way mars mission Mm -hmm. like super excited about the of exploration (laughs) Mm -hmm. but still being isolated and a one-way mission is damning for everything else you know yeah and there's there's this other so like the the one-way mission side that excitement is really 
I agree with you. I feel like there's some sort of like semblance of like I'm never coming back. But the other side of her excitement to me about meeting other people, I just like almost wanted just a little bit more on so that it, we could lean into it a little bit more. But it feels so clear that one of the reasons that she's so excited in this way is because of how meaty that opportunity really is and what that really means for her is that like she has been trained to imitate for her entire life and for the first time since she was born she gets to experience people that she doesn't innately understand every time that she sees them Mm -hmm. and interacts with them like that's so functionally cool for milan That'll be really, really interesting if we ever see it. Yeah, that's there's there's your question, right? Is if we ever see it. But man, it's what a what a cool premise mm-hmm. to have this immortal shapeshifter go out and get to meet cultures for the first time. And then, you know she would have to like learn how to digest new bones in theory, which means she needs dead people. You know, like there's a whole there's a whole like mess of other issues. And she gone murdering. And, like, how much does she retain some of these capabilities moving between planets? Does she lose anything moving further away from Harmony? You know? That's a good point, too. Yeah. There's there's a lot of yeah. fun questions there that are just sitting there teasing tantalizingly right around in the future. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They share a final kiss, and she tells him that he was the best lay she's had in 700 years before saying goodbye. We end the chapter just after that with a just tragically dark reflection that I didn't feel like I could do a decent enough job summing up in words. So I figured instead I wanted to read it to discuss it. Mm -hmm. So he sat staring at the door for a long time. He wasn't wearing a hat, which meant he had to just be himself. The true him, the one that knew this pain. They'd ridden together on many a dusty path. This pain had been his invisible friend since childhood. The pain of knowing what he really was. The pain of being worthless. What a rough way to end the chapter. Man. Highs and lows, but fuck this. Yeah. Yeah. This is a serious dose of, of depression rearing its head inside of the story. And we get, you know, between this and the anxiety talk from Steris, you know, we get a couple of different doses in the way that like these sort of temporary these these emotional setbacks really hit. And I I think that in particular, I want to focus on something and kind of ask you a question about it. But he says this pain had been his invisible friend since childhood. And that's the thing that I want to pick at, do you think that this is since like he couldn't defend his mom or do anything to protect his family that he gradually lost to the mine? Where, where do you think? I, I don't know if it's that from? he couldn't protect her. I, I I assumed it was just the, the staggering amount of loss that he's experienced mm. early. That's, that's where I went with it, but mm. it could be, it could be some guilt. I'm sure there's a lot of emotions tied up into this. Yeah. Right. And it, it does feel like there are a lot of different layers here, but I, I just found it interesting that he pointed to childhood first as opposed to the the moment in which he murdered the man, although I think that's still qualified as his childhood, so I guess that makes sense too. I just would have equated that to like teenage years, but that's still childhood, so, you know, I just I, read into that. My a assumption was that this was a direct callback to the prologue yeah that was that was my thought too i can see pulling on it from a different direction of course with what we face in chapter 14 i believe when he goes to the dinner with renette but you know yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah there's a lot there oh 
man, you just I I have trouble not feeling for our boy. Feel I feel a lot of pain. Feel for him, but also understand like. We'll, we'll get there. We, we'll have to talk about that in chapter 14 when that really becomes meaty. But. Mm-hmm. All right. Chapter 13. We move back to Wax and begin to make our way down into the modified basement, the home of Wax's secret laboratory. And when I read this for the very first time, I just knew that this was going to be a fucking field day for you in the same way mm-hmm. that Wax is like so excited to test this new metal. And of course, Steris makes sure that Marisi doesn't forget that it's all about safety first before they head in and begin their testing. I, I didn't like put anything specific necessarily i guess i did in the next one but what do you think yeah it's you're right yeah <laughs> i ha- i was having a field day like this is so cool mm-hmm. yeah this was fun a lot of fun uh-huh yeah i science uh, i knew i knew that this was going to be your favorite part so or no, maybe not your favorite part but like something that substantially like just went oh so good i've been wanting this <laughs> you know Mm-hmm. That, that was kind of my imagination and he's a hobbyist it's great right. like yeah he re- like he's just got all this cool shit he's got the money to but do doesn't it actually so he's got his man to work with it yeah exactly it's so cool he's batman yeah literally we've made so many jokes about him being batman this is literally him being batman <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's so good so was there anything though that stuck out to you as they're kind of testing the metal scraping the spectral analysis the melting points with the commentary from Tensoon about these being the body of divinities or the statements on the state change being connected to other factors like investiture what would you make of the different kind of components the science components here that tie in to the regular metals and then the way that they react with the god metals and sort of the way that these things are measured against each other what would that tickle in your physics brain your engineering brain? I, I think Primarily, the biggest thing that it did for me was I realized pretty quickly how he did such a good job of, we we know he brings in like experts and has, has consultants on different things. Like it's very clearly this kind of stuff that he needs that for. And it's so well done, but the explanations of the processes and like you mentioned, the sort of expectations versus reality when it comes to the God medals Mm -hmm. and how they should react in a classical way, but they don't, it it was just, our hand was held a little bit, but for a good reason. And Mm -hmm. in, in a very, very well done way. I think one of the most clever things that wasn't handholding that I caught on this reread was they talk about the hardness of being like, it's a nine when they scrape it with mm-hmm. diamond and whatnot. So like they didn't get specific into the way that like metals and the way that you detect hardness and calculate that, which was one of those subtle things That's that I picked point. up in this reader. I'm like, good work. Like that was great tucked in mm-hmm. there. And there's, there's a lot of good science in this despite really breaking from science in a big way which they also try to explain like most of this is grounded in real physics but some of this is a little bit god hand wavy like you're gonna have to get over it for now i mean until we right understand right there may be some there seems to be a basis of mechanics even if we don't quite get it yet Mm -hmm. so right yes 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 yeah it's it's neat and i i feel like that's evolved too because I, I feel like there were so many things in the previous books, like all six of them, mm-hmm. that were were not there yet. So this just doesn't seem like it makes sense. This this was done in a little bit more of a particular way where it's clear that there's a mechanic, but we don't know it, but that's okay. 
Mm-hmm. Does that make sense how I'm describing that? I do get it. And I think that I would again boil this down to like the idea of the gloves coming off to some degree because mm-hmm. it no longer needs to like play backdrop or second fiddle is kind of what he's doing. He's like, I, I don't want to say necessarily that Brandon is realizing that his biggest strength is world building necessarily, but he is leaning into it a lot more in this book than previous. But on top of that, he's doing some of his best character work in all of Mistborn inside of these pages. So like I I am I'm of two minds of this book, which is that it is incredible world building exposed very well, and there's just some marvelous character work that was otherwise in Mistborn Era 2, glossed over to some degree. Like, that was kind of the the premise was going fast and, like, telling a quick story and giving you the high notes. And this one really digs in already, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, there, exactly. there are 70 chapters in this book, but <laughs> so I, I think it's, like, 70. There are, I think, nine epilogues. So I, I want to say it's, like... What? I th- yeah. I almost made the epilogues a whole week. <laughs> You should. It was, it was only like 40 pages, though, so I just tied it in with the final, like, climax and, like, made okay. that all one. Anyway, you know, that way it's like a full send-off and then we have a wrap-up. But, point being, I still... Yeah, it was. I was just like, whoa. And so... I, it feels it feels like this is actually the best of both worlds all at once. Because you're getting the best of three worlds, really. You're getting a quick story you're getting a lot of world and you're getting a lot of character. It's just hitting on all cylinders in a way that I think mm-hmm. on the whole Mistborn didn't get the same love. I mean, that's not what I meant. Mistborn got plenty of love. Mistborn was an early series. And so it's, it's a little tough to be rough on some of the characters and stuff like that. But this has more of the later Sanderson style of the larger storytelling DNA in it than even most of the other entries in era two did and some of that might have to do with the difficulty of writing some of era two and the way that it was split and written differently but oh i feel it in the science part here and the character bit before with wayne and everything else Mm -hmm. yeah totally agree cool rant rant over was there anything else about the the science shit that you you felt good about that you really liked i think is this the point where he starts stretching the harmonium? I think he does that. That's here, right? I think that is here because he's talking and he's starting to show and he's doing like flaking and stuff like that. Like this is when he starts to play yeah. around with it. And I think he explains. I, I think it's while he's talking mm-hmm. to Vendal. Mm. That happens later. So because Vendel right. is not here yet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or Vendel, sorry. Yeah. Doll. Doll is. Admiral Doll, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get it. So, I'll wait to talk about that. Yeah. Later. <laughs> For me, it was the spectroanalysis and the way that, like, obviously burning these in light would produce different, you know, ranges as you heat them up and whatnot. And the idea that all of the god metals burn beyond the visible spectrum, seemingly. They both hit that mm-hmm. red spectrograph and they're gone, right? The needle off yeah. the graph. So. Cool. <laughs> are we talking is that like are we like infra infrared like what where which way which way are we going with this <laughs> where what's happening yeah exactly are they not giving off any actual wavelength they should be but i believe that's the purpose is that it is giving off a wavelength but maybe it's just so is it a 
it's so low frequency yeah when it's on that side or is it high frequency i always forget which side i think it's low i think so too so it'd be such a uv is high yeah red is lower okay longer wavelength length yeah so yeah so it's swinging so far that it's just the low frequency is driving it home and like what's that mean Mm -hmm. for everything so very exciting Uh, uh, ah (laughs) so jazzed cool Neat. Steris and Marisi during this moment have a short side conversation about the fact that this is a hemallergic spike and has taken a soul. This, of course, being the spike of trellium and the reaction to it being referred to as a murder weapon, if not a corpse. What what do you think of this sort of conversation about the the reality of spikes and like the sort of unfortunate, almost unholy nature of them? Framing it as a murder weapon had never crossed my mind (laughs) but that really changes how you think about these things doesn't Mm -hmm. it yeah like it it brings on a real creepy air to it different connotation that it should have already had right like (laughs) i don't know but yeah that definitely kind of made me look at it a little bit sideways and i don't know about it being a corpse i don't think that works Right, which is, I think, also why that's kind of waved away. But, you know, as we understand, it could be considered like a corpse of someone's soul to some degree. Like, it's it captures something. I think that's something. what they're getting at. Yeah. Because yeah. it has a soul. Mm-hmm. Nah. <laughs> that's fair. It's definitely a murder weapon. Mm-hmm. As they begin to prepare for the next stage of, of testing in the safe room, Wax waxes poetic about harmonium and its predilection for blowing up (laughs) as if the metal itself is balanced on a razor's edge and what from that experience and knowledge he can pull into the process here before Marisi begins to reflect on the experiments that wax has been pulling here attempting to recreate or replicate both of the lost metals by dividing harmonium in two again pj the question here is did you expect there to be potentially three lost metals (laughs) for the lost metal to mean all of them (laughs) No, (laughs) but God damn it. Do I want to see this succeed? I would love to have wax as a Mistborn again. Mm. Yeah. Instead of just that, like flash in the pan that we got in the bands of morning. Mm -hmm. But yeah, they're all the lost metal. I don't know about three. I think it's two. I mean, two are definitely lost, but I think Trellium is like a just new. The found metal. That's fair. Okay. All right. I'll give it to you. I mean, they've been trying to get it for a while, so, you know. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. It's the lost metals, really. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. So this chapter ends as the Trillium Spike begins to show signs of reacting to Harmonium. Wow. Oh, no. Oh, no. We know this to be a basis of the importance that comes in, in chapters that are upcoming, but, you know, at the very least, it's it's an interesting premise here to get, get really excited about. Mm-hmm. Cool. 
With that, we go into chapter 14, PJ. Chapter 14 returns to Wayne as he ducks into the alley after having taken a couple shots of whiskey to right himself as he heads to a meeting, all the while referring to his day as a rusting funeral, which includes how nicely he dresses himself in his attire before rejoining the procession on the street of which he describes most of the people that are walking as I think he sees them as either terrorists or co-lost blooded. And he like picks that out in particular, which is interesting. But before he heads into the drunken spur to meet up with Jaxie and Renette, it's our first introduction to Jaxie. And kind of what do you think of this like situation of them meeting in the restaurant and this idea of like this, you know, Wayne actually having a friendship with Renette and, and sort of the, the reaction there to, to sort of that side of things. Oh, I was very confused my first read through on this mm-hmm. regarding the funeral procession. Me too, actually. Like, why yeah. is it I'm like, what is going on here? Yeah. I kind of just and tuned I, it I out. I assumed it to be, I didn't tune it out, but I had convinced myself that it was him mourning the loss of Milan mm. for whatever reason. That's not the case. Cheers. There's drinking. Yes, we definitely have to drink. Cheers. And Jaxie and Renette are a very great couple. <laughs> I Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I loved the description when he walks in the door and talks to the, uh, the host. He's like, one of them's really nice. The other one probably threatened to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. The guy right at the door. It's a great characterization of the two as well. Yep. Mm-hmm. And he knew exactly who he was talking yep, about. He was able to point him to him right away. Right away. Like, yep, that probably happened. Yeah. I also really appreciated, I mean, like, the the whole side of the relationship where Wayne's been able to turn around what was otherwise a stalker, creepy, awful relationship and make it very real shows character growth again. My, like, mm-hmm. one gripe about some of the things that happen in part one in general is that... In the time skip, we get a lot of work done without seeing the work. And while I really love the end result, I like I kind of wish we got to see that change like manifest itself. We see what initiates the change when he like decides that he's not going to creep on Renette anymore. But there are just a couple of different small things with different characters, not just with Wayne, that I wish that like we could have started three years ago and then like cut forward a little bit or, you know, something like that. Yeah. That could have been cool. I think a part of it is just kind of Renette's disposition on it. We we get a comment on it mm-hmm. later, which I know will highlight, but she says something along the lines of, he's not as bad as I pretend he is. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's not that she was always repulsed by him, but they always kind of had that sort of friction frictional nature to the relationship Mm -hmm. and it was in part just her personality too yeah yeah not to like that's not to diminish his absolute creepy stalkery nature right like of course that's a problem but it seems to have been a two-way street to some degree i mean not yeah or not not as bad as she presented it to be right yeah I think it's interesting. There's a lot to dig into that phrase, but I think that it's good that we dug into this side of it because I think that that is a good thing to point out is that like she has her own tendencies as well. Everyone does. Everyone has their own, you know, sort of behavioral instincts as we've learned as all these characters interact inside of the story and she doesn't pin as much blame on him. And I think that's kind of a nice revelation to be like, it isn't completely his fault, but also there's more to that quote, but we'll get there. 
Yeah. Yeah. The there's one other note here that I wanted to tackle. Oh, duh. This is on page, I think perhaps the most clear LGBTQ relationship inside of Brandon Sanderson's work. Not that they don't exist beforehand and not that they aren't hinted at otherwise, but this is like the most textual one that's just very immediate and very omnipresent. And so I appreciate the added representation and sort of the importance of character, especially with someone from, you know, Wayne's past. We knew that from the previous book, but to see actually mm-hmm. as a coupling, I think is great. You know, natu- it's just natural, but it feels necessary to talk about it and bring it up because it was something that Brandon was oft criticized for, despite being supportive of LGBTQ stuff in the past. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it is good to see it. Yeah. There is a character or two inside of the Stormlight Archive that I know, like, are. And so I, like, have to, at the very least, like, make mention, yeah, okay, they exist, for sure. But, like, this is the most direct, obvious, sort of, Mm -hmm. thing. So, yeah. Yeah, they're great. (sighs) I love that when he lands at the table, he literally says, mumble, mumble, mumble. (laughs) It's just... It's such a it's such a nice bit that's so way and it's just so apt as opposed to actually saying anything because no one can hear. So why bother fucking saying anything? You're just saying it to yourself if you're mumbling as he begins to talk about healing and metabolizing these poisons and like his inability to stay drunk because he's had this. He orders the worst vodka and then they're like, hey, make sure you put something nice in it. Like make it, it this is a nice establishment and like makes the comment of putting in an olive to like spruce it up as a martini. <laughs> I fucking hate and I fucking love that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's so good. Um, and and there's just so many like subtle notes to this dinner conversation that I I think are excellent and well done. But there's a big undercurrent that ends up wrapping up this whole thing, and it's this wonderful conversation that ends very poignantly talking about visiting all Riandre and the pain that he's putting her through by doing that and how selfish that really all is, as well as his recollection of you will never be forgiven from each past handoff where he gives her the money. And, and this idea that he is just kind of whipping himself and for whose sake is sort of the 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 sort of message that Jaxie and Renette try to imprint. What do you think of this conversation here at the end about Wayne's sort of self-flagellation? I think what I most appreciate about this section is that we really get to see Wayne wrestle with his past and his headspace, but we, we, we also see growth. He's more open to this idea that Jaxie puts forward, uh, re re sort of assessing how he does all of this. And uh, I think previously he would have a not talked about it and B I don't think he would have been open to considering not going in person and, and hearing some reason behind it. So Jaxie's this super sweet character and I hope we get some more insight from her throughout the book. She seems to know what to say to get Wayne to listen. Yeah, she, she knows the buttons to push and she always has. And I think that's kind of the, Rather not, I mean, Jaxie doesn't, hasn't always, but like the combination of Jaxie and Renette and the way that they have shared information, Jaxie is much more approachable where Renette is very harsh with everything. And she always has been. That's, you know, her sort of personality from everything else. So it's, it's great to see this kind of complimentary relationship begin to tear in 
to the pair of them, or rather pair of them tearing to him. But I agree with you. I, I love sort of the way that we, we get to sit in and soak the pain from Wayne and like kind of understand. But I, I think it's also important to acknowledge Alriandre right in the moment as he is kind of forced to acknowledge and kind of stare in the mirror and realize that this isn't about him and it should have never been about him. It's It's about what he mm-hmm. did and as such is about what he did to her. Right. Yeah. I think we talked about this a little bit during the Shadows of Self wrap-up with Ben when we finally addressed it, but, you know, I, I feel like it's mm-hmm. necessary again to bring it up. For sure. Yeah. So, yeah, any other thoughts? Any Anything else on that? The dinner in general? I think that's about it. Is he wearing any hat during dinner? No, I don't think no, he isn't. Out. He specifically trades in his hat at the door. He's asked to take it off. And so he takes right. something from the doorman. I can't remember what he takes. The bell? A bell. Yes, he takes, he the, takes bell. the fucking dinner, the <laughs> bell that he rings three times to get his attention. And then does he ring it at the table to like fetch, to get the waitress to bring the vodka? Like he, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Motherfucker. And it's not even, not even their waiter. Yeah. Right, it's a different one that shows up because they're probably like, "What the fuck? Why does this guy have a bell?" <laughs> I, I I truly think that Brandon does such a good job waving levity or weaving, not waving, weaving levity in to these very dramatic scenes in a way. Before again, like we've talked about, and I don't want to fixate on it again, where it felt like caricature previously, like the levity because mm-hmm. it didn't feel interactive, didn't come off the same way. Yeah, it didn't hit right. Yeah. Now it now it hits just right mm-hmm. all the time. So as Wayne gets up to leave, he hears a final phrase from Renette. I told you, he might not be as bad as I pretend Jax, but he's not as good as you want to pretend either. He trades his hat back for the bell and runs into the two men who visited the station earlier to talk about Wayne's investment strategy. What do you make of the quote and then also these two bowler-hatted men? bowler hatted bowler hatted men that's totally how you say that right yeah i think that's a first and last name i would agree (laughs) (laughs) no i think this comment is the perfect thing for wayne to hear or to overhear about himself Mm -hmm. because i i think we know that he is always super hard on himself but he's also realistic and i think understanding i i think this is something that he would take more seriously than just a straight up compliment about him. Having that sort of sting sort of salt to that compliment. I, I think that'll be good for him. I think it, it's a, a beneficial thing for him to hear. I think this quote is very sad. I agree with you entirely that I think that it's beneficial for him to hear. Like I'm so with you, but it is a heartbreaking real. It's, it's very real. Like it, it, this is, Mm -hmm. it is so fucking tangible. I don't, again, I don't know whether to attribute it to Brandon, to the change in editor with the Jillian Redfern. It is so It's just so good. And this that line in particular just cuts me so deep out of everything that we talk about this week. Yeah, I don't know. That's the one that I fixated on the most trying to think about and piece out because it's it does it, it is something that in the end is very good for him. But can you imagine walking away from a table like hearing the person like he meets up for dinners once a month with these people with the pair 
And then on this one, when he's like being depressed about like losing his girlfriend and everything else, that's what he hears as he walks away. Like that would sting so yeah, this fucking sucks. bad. <laughs> it really sucks. Yeah, but bowler hatted men. <laughs> You're not gonna let it. Go. I mean, they're they're fucking nerds, man. <laughs> I mean, we we aren't there yet. They're not quite nerds yet. You know what I mean? Okay, but yes, okay, yeah, okay. I, I agree Fair with enough. you. They are definitely nerds. I was so excited for them to start breaking fingers. And Did you think that that's where it was going? Nope. I think I talked about that last you, week. You did, but I like, I really, that was the cliffhanger that I wanted to end on because I was like, I want PJ to be stressed out about these bowler-headed dudes that are yeah. not that big of a deal. Yep. I was, I was ready for him to just, he's like, and that that's why the funeral thing made sense mm-hmm. to me exiting this chapter it's like all right he's just approaching his problem he's set for and, the docks yeah 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 we're gonna see him swinging mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or the bubbles like stop one or the other you know be it in concrete shoes or you know whatever whichever way it goes but shocking revelation when it's like you're hysterically wealthy (laughs) (laughs) i just i really enjoy that it's so good all right so we go into chapter 15 and this is moving us back to the experiment and the trellium is moving as a result of wax not only like the proximity to the metals that we had learned previously but also to wax burning steel the the closer that they're pushed together during the experimentation, the more they want to force themselves apart like magnets between even the regular metals, including and as well as the harmonium. Ugh, excuse me. There's another note, though, tucked into all of the scientific experimentation, that of his sister's lost humanity in the pursuit of this long-forgotten and ancient god. And both of these things begin to show us the massive weight of this discovery before us. I am so intrigued by the fact that this reacts to Alamancy. I'm not entirely surprised by it, but I, I want to figure out how it works. Yeah. Especially considering like the technology that the Malbush have and the use of et metal or harmonium being integral to that. But I I love the lengths that Branderson goes to to really parse out and explain everything that's happening here. It just it feels so good, dude. It's so tangible. I think that's the big thing for me is like all of this feels very tangible and it's grounded and it could have been. It could it could be like if I were explaining this to someone as like a person pitching them, if I was pitching you on this, being like, "Hey, it's science-driven fantasy with these crazy elements of like gods impacting physics." And like you can get into all of these very like deep complexity complexities of the interaction of the systems and i feel like for a lot of people who just go whoosh you know you know what i mean like they would just be like absolutely not i don't want to touch that with the 10-foot pole that sounds crazy but instead he makes this otherwise almost a lecture as possibly complicated yeah. well yeah i mean he he's explained a lot over time so we've done a lot of groundwork to get us That's here true. like let's not discount that but he does basically take a physics lecture and took turn it into prose to some degree and it works <laughs> really mm-hmm. well so i appreciate yeah, it does <laughs> yeah i mean like i do too his own physics lecture but you know still mm-hmm. it's very grounded oh yeah yeah like, 
None of it. All of this is very, very grounded. I, I, partic- I think that this comes up later, but I think that there's even a mention of... I think it's when Vendel's talking. He says something about converting investiture to force or like he says something very tangential to like a work it's work and it's when when you burn metals you're making the spirit realm and the investiture do the work and that is so specific like that term is actually highly important to physics in case you are unaware and in the physical reality of the world so i I just i loved that like little tuck in as well and that and this is this is far later as well. I think this is probably I think in the same section that you're talking about. I think that's this chapter um, though, or if it's not this one, it's oh, seventeen. It? It's either this one or seventeen. Okay. But the the interaction between matter and energy mm-hmm. and how they're fundamentally the same. Yes. And then investiture just gets kind of tacked on top of that in this world, but like that's that's a pretty core real thing (laughs) so it's cool to see that just completely get blended in yeah yeah i said 17 it's 18 but yes entirely like it's it is so well grounded in realmatics makes so much fucking sense realmatic i Mm -hmm. it's not it's still not clear exactly how that's pronounced is it realm as in relating to the realms is it realmatic is it there's you know real yeah are, are we full realmatique <laughs> so we're going full louisiana cajun that's what we're doing realmatique <laughs> is that what we're doing <laughs> yeah all right vendel arrives of course with news that he's here to help in milan's stead since she is ultimately out of the picture given what she has to complete for harmony and reveals some shocking news about some of the people in the force that they've actually been chondra in disguise since they were injured previously or injured they they died <laughs> consumed by the chondra he also <laughs> inquires about getting alex mask as well from him which is just a fun thing that gets into the this idea that vendel is this collector of bones which is kind of fucked up if you weren't a chondra but it's especially interesting with the masks yeah did you before i continue did you have any thoughts on that i hadn't considered chondra like i hadn't considered the idea that chondra would deal in clothing as well but between this and when milan was changing or after she was changing and like putting on like she had her like wardrobe of Mm -hmm of hair that she was dealing with, I think specifically in that scene, but it, it makes total sense that they would have to have pretty vast wardrobes in order to match the bodies that they're, they're switching between though. It feels like a lot of them don't really switch that often. Yeah. That, so maybe, maybe it's not necessarily a problem, but yeah, right, right. Or, or maybe that it's and Vendel specifically is like a historian and a collector. Like that's the way that he's been framed mm-hmm. to us is he's sort of a gentleman and puffs his chest out and everything else. And is this very prim and proper blonde haired, I guess, Condra. So reminds me, as I imagine Vendel and I know that you do know enough about this now. This is very funny to me. He reminds me of Lucius Malfoy and that actor. Oh my God. Jason Isaacs yeah. specifically, but with like mm-hmm. longer hair, I think it, like he is later in the series. That's, that's exactly how I picture Vendel. I could see that. Yeah. Yep. Cool. There's a, a oh, gross looking dude. <laughs> I mean, I like Jay. I think Jason Isaacs <laughs> looks good. I know. I know. Um, but Lucius Malfoy in general is pretty 
Oh yeah, he's a disgusting man. Yeah, he is. He is a how far the, the side tangent once more again in the middle of this, but it's worth it's worth remarking on. How far are you now in Harry Potter? Which ones have you watched? First five. The first five. So you're actually chronological too. Like you're. You, yeah. What do you mean? I. I say this because I feel like when we talked before, you just like spotty watched them, but now you've seen. No, one I think I've. I feel like you had said that you'd I'm seen five, but you hadn't where... seen four or something like that. Well, I had read through four. Yep. And I'd watched through five, okay. but like such a long time ago and maybe like when it was in theaters. But now we're like just watching them. So now I've got six, seven, and eight. Wow, you're almost there. Have you considered reading them yeah. to round it out? Nope. No. <laughs> Those are the best books. I mean, three. Yeah. But then like six and seven are great. I mean, as far as books go. I think we have all the books. No, we have all of them except for the third. Mm. I have two copies of three in first edition, which is very <laughs> funny to me. Tim, one of the Tims has them, so... You know, okay. not that you're going to go read book three, Fair enough. but if you didn't have the books, I, I would be like, my copies are with this person because that's where they are. <laughs> when, when would I read them, Crossland? TJ, they're so easy to read. <laughs> that's the thing. Okay, like, fair enough. They're easy to tear through, but that's, that's its own thing. So yeah, not during the holiday season, not in the next like two months. I mean, you're not, we don't, we don't have like a day. We don't have a week until February where we aren't recording two episodes a week. For the most part, like it's kind of insane. Yeah, yeah. So, and some some weeks three. Speaking of Greenbone Saga, mm-hmm. hey, hey, here we come. Hey, hey, <laughs> don't start scheduling Let's those go. out. Very fun. Okay, do 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 midway. Cut around that a little bit. Cut cut. There is an interesting conversational note here about Lessie tucked into this whole thing, though, as well. What do you think about Vendel's remarks about the previous spikes and Harmony's opinion on Trillium and Palm and how the behaviors sometimes contradict the words, meaning Harmony's words and behaviors sometimes contradict each other? Yeah. So what I picked up from that, based on the way that like in Wax's eyes, Vendel and Harmony disagree. Mm-hmm. And when pushed Vendel changes the subject. He's like, what's happening here? Mm-hmm. Right. What it confirms to me is that Harmony is doing what he can to protect Wax or trying yeah. to protect Wax from, from the nature of Paul. And kind of just putting all the blame on the spike and the other god and like just letting him have an untarnished memory of her. Which I think is noble and I think is nice and ultimately doesn't really matter. So... You're uh-huh. so correct. Noble, nice, and doesn't matter, I think is... Because he doesn't want to linger on it. Like, he's not trying to sit on this by any means and doesn't want Wax to return to fixating on it. Not that I think Wax would, but I think that he would seek the truth of the answers and he might not like them as much as he was able to <laughs> tolerate them six years ago. Right. We could look with clearer eyes, I think, now upon the reality and that might be a more brutal reality to face. So, yeah, yeah. Glad I I agree with you. So, 
From that conversation about Vindel, though, we move back to our salty science scoundrel who begins to explain the experiment and tests that they've tried to do to split Harmonium previously and notes again the difficult situation that both Harmony and his metal are put in, being forced to not act versus Trell being able to act autonomously by comparison. I, for the record, when I wrote this, I had not reread chapter 19 yet, and I thought that I was being cute teasing autonomy which i sometimes do in this shit like i do this in the notes all the time with all of this shit i I write very particular words to mean very particular things and this is one that i was like i'm being cute and funny and (laughs) for people who are listening and then i was like oh no we know it's autonomy by the end of this week i fucked up (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it's pretty good yeah anyway that's gotta be a horrible situation though yeah from sazed's perspective Mm -hmm. from harmony's perspective of uh, like ostensibly having more power like having twice as much power as trell and like just effectively being a spectator yeah (laughs) yeah just can't actually do anything with it not only that he can he's powerful but he's not like most of it counteracts each other yeah i wanted to throw in too that the metal there is interesting right because the metal seems to be like balanced on a razor's edge as it reacts to anything and has to be like stored in oil in order to be like you know some sort of okay it reacts to water it reacts to air as we learn like enough air exposure on the surface area is a problem it seems like oxygen is probably the issue which is why h2o well maybe hydrogen is also an issue who knows but the point being it reacts violently to outside materials and sources as far as we're aware so which yep. is so interesting Especially when you consider the way that these metals react to each other when they're eventually pressed. Because you have autonomy facing harmony, which is this idea of balance. And balance doesn't need anything added to it. And autonomy doesn't want to go anywhere, in theory. You know, like, there's... Even just taking the words for what they mean and making the words collide makes the metal's reaction make sense, which is so much fun. We aren't anywhere near that, but I just... I, I get so excited by it every time. It's super cool. Yeah very neat so vendel hands marisi a mysterious note seemingly left by a woman in a strange mask it states simply we are watching marisi we are impressed with a small symbol of three interlocking diamonds on the bottom of it and vendel isn't permitted to answer when asked what it means harmony is literally preventing him from saying anything not like intervening in this moment but like banned from saying anything yeah. yeah banned yeah or you are banned you're banished <laughs> you're banished uh, from this land but fucking what could it mean at this point i'm assuming that this is the woman in the cavern or at least it's part of the same group i as opposed think to that, the set that's what marisi also says is that it's the woman in the cavern does she yeah she also makes that ah. yeah that's why i said the strange mask is that it's assumed but we don't know yeah yeah okay I'm assuming this isn't the symbol for the set. That's fair. We don't know if the set have a symbol. So, <laughs> good point. The set probably has a pretty dope symbol. You know that's true. It's probably a hand of cards, right? Like, it's got to be just a like a flush or something. Severed hand. <laughs> just a severed hand with a bunch like of Like a monkey's paw? Like, literally. Like, <laughs> each time they get closer to Trill's dream, a finger goes up. <laughs> yep yep Yep, that's That's for sure it it is a 3d symbol (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm not saying that it articulates, but I'm like, saying they adjust the, the like if you're in no, the group. No, no, no. They they have business cards that are just people's severed hands with decks of cards that they hand out to people like <laughs> welcome to the club. I'm I'm imagining like the pen and teller like sketch equivalent of doing this which would be like okay under your seats everybody like five people have <laughs> a hand of cards oh there's also a hand attached like make sure that you discard the hand not the cards the hand hand <laughs> like there's there's yeah, a whole that, comedy bit there for sure yeah yeah that is absolutely a pen and teller bit. Yeah, right. like i could totally see them yeah. doing that <laughs> i pictured that whole thing as you were unfolding it i was like yep that is that is the pair of them for sure or handing out hands at the door it's it's very funny that's this again is a brilliant side tangent so i'm not going to apologize again for side tangenting chuck polinick doesn't like signing books or for a couple of tours he was like i don't want to necessarily sign people's books so what he did is he bought a bunch of artificial limbs and signed them and personalized the limbs to people and gave them the limb and so he was signing and shaking hands but he was always shaking the limb hand and so like that was the whole bit for the whole tour why (laughs) he's a crazy man i love it (laughs) <laughs> that's so fucking weird it is but it's very chuck politic <laughs> to do yeah i just love that little bit it's a it's such a fun that's fair. fun ad to have prosthetic limbs delivered he he lost a box of prosthetic limbs somewhere along the tour or two and it was or it was delivered in advance of him showing up or something like that to one of the signings and the the booksellers were super freaked out when they opened it <laughs> Like, oh, good. why did we get a bunch of prosthetic arms in the mail? <laughs> what is going on? Again, this gets back around to Vendel loving collecting bodies. <laughs> so mm-hmm. we're, we're full circle. But yeah, there's there's a big mystery mystery here around the note that Marisi is handed. So. Yeah, we end this yeah. chapter, though, with another offer from Vendel for Wax's bones as an explosion rocks the building <laughs> before Wax descends to see the results. Wheeling and dealing that Vendel. Dude, he acquires a set of bones during this whole ordeal. Like he gets yeah. he gets his, you know, he gets his. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Steris's, right? I mean, yes, it's Steris's. It's not Wax's. But I mean, like <laughs> Vendel gets his, you know, not, you know. Yeah. The I. Yeah. yeah. The collective his, not the. Like the collective you or we or whatever, but yes. Cool. Mm-hmm. All right. With that, we go to chapter 16. We are fucking cruising. All right. Not that we're going to get done before the Bacchanal or anything like that, but like we're going to come back and have two chapters, although 19 is like half an episode in and of itself. So it's, it's a nightmare. Chapter 16 begins us heading into call and son and daughters accounting and estate of which Wayne equates to a mortuary where he begins discussing his future investments with tall, boring guy and short, boring guy and his absolutely vast, incredible fortune that he's acquired since backing the scientist's daughter from the previous novel from shadows of self, which is just wonderful. This impersonation has gone on for so long that he's made her fabulously wealthy for taking those things that he was otherwise betrayed on and then rolling that forward into her wealth into zone. It's so, so good. And this is such a cool scene as he transitions from his mopey morning state state into the persona of an investment banker with a hat. It's just is so fun. Isn't it cool? Yeah. Like I love, I absolutely love what Branderson is doing with Wayne in this mm-hmm. book. He is such a better character than he was. Mm-hmm. I mean, I loved him before, 
but everything about him in this just feels so right. Mm-hmm. It just feels so good. It feels like he's on it. Uh, like it, it feels entirely mm-hmm. correct. I, yeah. I totally agree with you. Yeah. It <sighs> love this book. Love this book. So good. Can we talk about how much of a fucking nightmare the name of this agency is? <laughs> Call in son and daughter accounting and estate. Like that's so fucking bad. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> Call and sons and daughters account. Call and son and daughters because that's where the plural goes there. Accounting and estate, like just the way that that is phrased and broken up, is just brutal. <laughs> can you imagine the sign? Yeah, cat a. <laughs> I can imagine it like with a couple extra tacked on. Like <laughs> it was call accounting and estate, and then just took a two by four with and son, nailed it on there, and then and daughter and nailed it on there <laughs> and then the apostrophe s got moved each time there's little sun stains yep. from where the apostrophe reached up above the line as it would <laughs> each time that it was moved yeah <laughs> you can yeah you can imagine very clearly it's it's fun <laughs> brutal yeah but we found out a couple of things here as well before diving into the investment portfolio first that wayne's last name is actually terraceborn since he has no proper family name that we're aware of and two that and that he's not he's not aware of either that he just has a metric ton of bend alloy because of his obscene, obscene wealth. So even if he's doing all the right things for the police, it doesn't matter because he's always got some in his back pocket. He's probably doing yeah. just as much trickery. <laughs> you know? I mean, this obviously yeah. turns my thoughts on its head from last week, talking about his need to conserve. I think up until this point, mm-hmm. he kind of used wax as a cover for his own wealth. But I guess his wealth didn't really come in until after Wax retired anyway, so mm-hmm. I don't know. But he has to keep this a secret, so <laughs> just got to keep it from Marisy. Yeah, yeah. I think this is the only book in which he's wealthy. I think that, like, previously otherwise, like, it took time for this investment to mature and to, like, get him to this point. But he probably started to get some money during Bands of Mourning, but not near. Now he's, like, seemingly just incredibly wealthy, as the investment bankers are saying, but he's so... 20 million. <laughs> yeah, 20 million. And also, like, they're, like, so misfortunately, like, mismanaged because you sh- you're under, you know... You could be way more exposed in all of these different things and better invested, like, criminally... God, it's so good. Yeah. Criminally under diversified, I think is what they say at the end of chapter 14 or whatever, wherever the dinner is. It's just so good. But mm-hmm. getting into those specific investments of this chapter, we see that he's looking at beginning the first professional noseball league and a stadium to accompany it as well to create a sense of unity and to give people a place to channel their. This isn't like perfectly clear, but like anxiety, rage, anger, whatever you name it, to channel that emotion. And by the end of this, it it seems as though it's also just a place to go drink. And that's supposed to be like another place in addition to a bar to go to like channel that anxiety. And I find it interesting that Wayne is suddenly becoming a part of like the societal containment complex to some degree. Like he's just (laughs) making people very happy. I don't know. We also discovered that he's got a fleet of cars as well as it. You know, his money being used as a trick to get them into buying companies. Whenever he buys a car, he buys a percentage of the company because they want him to invest in other yeah. shit. It's it's just so it's so funny how obscenely they react to his wealth. I like I know he talks about these as bad ideas, mm-hmm. but they're so good. 
Yeah. Like, he, he's intentionally trying to fuck up. He is trying to get them to help him throw away this money. Right. And, like, it's damn impressive. Yeah. How he's just stumbling into great ideas. He's holding it all together. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's... It's not even oh, that he's and then stumbling. There was the- it's also that he's just very... He can put his mind in this mind space and, like, think it through. Like, he he has the capability and smarts. He just doesn't always wear that hat. You know, he swaps them out. Right. The brilliant part of this was tying the two ideas together and saying, once we get get the Noseball League established, after renaming it and adding some allomancy to the, to the rule set, give this type of card <laughs> to the professional players... To help sell more cars to increase the profit. <laughs> Fuck, dude. <laughs> Investment banker Wayne so is dead Wayne. <laughs> is this is yep. he is Brandon commenting on capitalism here? Is that the, the intent here to like have a big riff on like, oh man, you're dead inside if you if you're this kind of person. Like Mayhaps. Mayhaps. Um Mayhaps. It's it's funny to me too because Brandon's mother was an accountant and he always said that he, as opposed to being like a, a prose you know fancy writer he's a writer that has like a business head on his shoulders for the most part and he's an accountant writer and so it's it's actually cool to see that finally because it always has felt like it's never been there you know like wear those influences on your sleeve a little bit write about what you know right and this is what feels mm-hmm. very real and tangible in those moments it's yeah, great for sure. But this chapter closes with Wayne acknowledging the pain that he causes Henriandra each month and instead sets up the money to be dropped off instead of him inflicting that pain upon her in addition to himself and self-flagellating. And I think that this is an important moment of reflection and kind of acknowledgement of like, hey, I'm listening and I'm adapting and my name is Wayne and I'm not just going to do the same things and be set in the same patterns as I was in the past. I've learned how to change. But because this is a Wayne point of view... Brandon also has to weave in some comedy. Yes. And the boring guys just assume that this is his mistress and bastard. Yeah. That he's like paying off Mm -hmm. basically. Right. He's like, don't worry. We'll, we'll, we have many clients that have this problem. We'll treat it with discretion. Yeah. And he's like, (laughs) and Wayne just doesn't understand. Right. He's like many people murder people and have to pay their kids or choose to pay the kids. Yeah. That's a that's a fair point. I totally miss that in the interpretation here, but you're you're a hundred percent right. That's and it's such a great moment of levity weaved inside again that sort of dark undertone moment. And again, mm-hmm. the world feels like it's bloomed in a fun way in this one with these characters and some of the other side characters that I don't think we otherwise got all the time. That's sort of like the bank guy from that one scene in the last book. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much feels tangible. Feels good. All right. So we're back with chapter 17 and we move to Steris's perspective and we finally get an acute sense of anxiety. Even in the previous two books where we had our singular perspectives on what Steris had felt like, the picture didn't feel nearly as complete as it does here as we begin to understand how she's grown from inside of her own perspective and how she reacts from the explosion and sort of the surrounding circumstances. Of course, even for this, she is prepared as she begins to hand out masks before they walk into the lab so that they don't breathe any crazy toxic fumes. 
Yeah, this was a happy and welcome surprise. And I also appreciated that commentary on anxiety. You're right. This is much more founded here than it was in the previous book. Cross just flashed me. I'm not sure why. (laughs) I have to take off the sweater. It's so fucking hot. My headphones. How do you think... Oh, now you got your headphones on. Okay. How do you think Steris would have done in covid times i think she would have done well i mean i don't i don't I think like, she would have been like the prepared one all the time yeah yeah how many masks enough, do you think she carries with her every you know day? I, I i don't try to bring in too many outside people into talking about the show i know that i've done that a couple of times today variously <laughs> but you know like I didn't know what to do when COVID started. And the first person who acted was my mom who ordered me a a set of masks. Like she was, and she was the first one that was on top of it. And Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, which is crazy. (laughs) But, but to that point, like, you know, when, when you are that kind of person who's anxious and who's always like looking out for other people and is just the person who's very on top of things that way, you know, I, I think that she would have been incredibly prepared. I think that she likely has a an emergency disease survival kit ready to go in one of the rooms in both the mansion and the penthouse in Alstrom Tower. Probably. I'd be shocked if she didn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I agree. Yeah. But I, I, I just, I love the description of anxiety here. I think that's what really gets me in this is like that, that description of like, woe (laughs) to be a normal person without anxiety like i cannot believe that other people have to go through life without thinking about these things and considering all of these different components that is such a lovely presentation of anxiety and just goes to show Mm -hmm. how good brandon is at research because again he's like i don't really have most of these mental health issues matter of fact i'm mostly good which means that i have to do a ton of research with real people to like make these feel grounded and real and that is one that is so real. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I love the reflection on the blown up lab and what they'll need to do to replace everything inside. All the acids, all the tools, and then suddenly like thinking about it and it's like probably new walls, the ventilation system's <laughs> fucked, like everything. It's it's just like great notes across the board on on what needs to happen here. There's a great little bit in the middle of a massive explosion that set back all of the future experimentation that they could possibly be doing in a hardcore way and of course there's also wax's reaction to the experiment itself saying how crazy it is that so little caused so much damage as these metals reacted to each other yeah that last little bit is such an important discovery for them and while it sucks that it's such a big setback ultimately i think it's a net positive because it it basically ushered in the discovery of or the the realization of what the set's actually doing like i i don't think they would have tried otherwise you know yeah it's it's potential it's realized i mean it's it is exposing the potential damage it's it's the discovery of the nuclear weapon i mean this is oppenheimer but you know Mm -hmm. misborn to some degree yeah Yes. Right. Yeah. So as they get to the box and begin to break down what occurred to the contents, we discover something incredible and dangerous. Trillium and Harmonium explode on contact, resulting in an explosion of investiture to complement the energy that could be incredibly dangerous. 
so dangerous. It's already so dangerous. dangerous. Like right. that's that part's already reared, reared its head. But this is so fucking cool. <laughs> it's so cool. Like this is it, especially as we get the context later. It's so fascinating to know the intent of the metal and why that immediately conflicts with harmony. Like mm-hmm. and autonomy and harmony should probably could go together in theory like in some in some world in some way you can press harmony and autonomy together but autonomy naturally resists other things and so that's just such a fun add to the way that these metals react against each other Mm -hmm. yeah and then on top of that the science of the metals actually work like it's so fun to have the gods bodies basically be naturally fighting and repelling each other because of their intent and then to see that manifested in a physical form through real maddox and whatnot just so good steris though is after wax is again propositioned to sell his body by vendel over a brief period steris actually offers and responds and decides that she's willing to sell her body why not and it's interesting because her instincts i think on this are actually correct as strange as that is to say like my body doesn't mean anything give me the money now and i will make i'll make a bigger impact with the money now than i would with my body when i'm dead and i I just think that's great i think there's also sort of she doesn't bring it up so much but it becomes it it tasks vendel with kind of protecting steris going forward in whatever way that he can to (laughs) protect his investment you know yeah i mean it's kind of a weird way to look at it but it it is it is a weird way to look at it, but at the same time, it's smart. I mean, that is very interesting to look at it as protecting his investment. Hmm, interesting. I'd never considered that, where it's like acting on behalf. To, like it's so it's at a certain point, and I know that Vendel is likely not condescending enough to do this, but you can imagine a Chandra stretching into like a dehumanizing territory. And, like, treating people to some degree over a long period of time like cattle, although never treating them like that to their face because you're gradually just taking their bodies when they're done or paying them for them. Oh, that's so... Man, I, a lot of the series is so fun in concept of, like, playing around with the ideas. Uh, there's, there's a lot of really weird morality things to it, too, that don't really go yeah. addressed a lot of the time, but... no. No, but it's fun that she agrees because that makes for a really interesting like, hmm. So in the crypt, in the family crypt, when you're both dead, there's going to be just Wax's bones. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wax will and break down. Also, he'll, sell, he'll sell his body. I Probably. Probably. He'll just be like, <laughs> whatever. All right. Max, Max is going to like go and see the headstone and that'll be fine. Yeah. No need to worry about that. But. Vendel also breaks down something that we had chatted about earlier, the physical, the different like layers or levels of energy in the work and everything that we discussed before broken into these three uh, essences that are kind of the backbone of the Cosmere in a big way. The physical, which is composed of Axie, the very smallest components. The way that I think about this is quarks. It seems to be the closest equivalent as, you know, kind of imagined maybe string. This feels like a good way to skate around science not being sure what is the smallest form to me 
it's, it's a smart way of like skating around it to say like oh actually it could just be whatever the solution to the smallest <laughs> physical matter is cool done perfect uh, there's energy which is composed of mostly normal things as you and i might understand them so far it seems to potentially have you know like the electricity and there are other components that they're talking about the way that things physically move and charge and then there's investiture of which we know to be the essence of the gods of which it pulls from the spiritual realm but these three things are fundamentally the same as he begins to expose us to a lot of the specifics on their functionality was there anything here beyond what we talked about before that rattled your brain in particular the axie thing i thought was cool i i I found it Mm -hmm. interesting to feel the need to create another term for it but your explanation of that makes a ton of sense and i like i really wonder how well founded and how well built this is in in brandon's (sighs) mind to begin with or if this is just kind of a that's as far as we're going to go into quantum mechanics and physics and things yeah that that is the question right and like there there's this ongoing sense and i i assume it'll all work so i'm i'm not like a hater or anything like that but there's this ongoing sense that it's all been constructed from the beginning and i i think that we can give brandon a ton of credit for having very grounded ideas for where this is all going to go but a lot of these details have to be fact-checked by other people and, like, make sure that it all lines up. And he's got an entire squad of people making sure that he doesn't break lines in the magic systems across the world. So uh, the Cosmere is much bigger than one person, I think is kind of what I'm trying to get to. And at this point, I don't believe that it's fallible, but I also simultaneously have trouble putting singular credit outside of, like, a, a larger story by or system created like based on by credit Mm -hmm. for a lot of what brandon's done if that makes sense because so much of it is double checked and worked on across such a large basis of people you know if i compare this and i i think you'll agree if i compare this like elvish language who worked on elvish except for tolkien you know right and all of the other like like that's that's my thing is and that's okay. That's the that's modern storytelling. I mean, almost every modern giant franchise is many cooks in the kitchen that make a thing turn. And so that's fine. I, I don't have any issue with it, but I do. I'm having more trouble crediting singular genius. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. For totally pre-planning. Fair. But like mo- the writing is his. So like I'm not, you know. I guess I'm not so much talking about pre-planning. I'm talking about does this go deeper in this book <laughs> or oh, are we just kind of exposed question. to like a taste of yeah yeah mine was mine was larger things. universe you're right you're right great yep. great cue especially as it applies to the book there is that question there we do get a little bit more later i mean from harmony kind of about some spiritual realmish at aspects but not the mm-hmm. environs that like compose axie for instance like we don't right you know we don't have more of that so far so Mm-hmm. pull no punches show us show us behind the curtain wizard that said again i just want to clarify for people listening to this i love brandon's work here i think that this is his secret sauce and that he's doing it really well and that he likely had a lot of those ideas but i think that it is difficult to attribute singular genius to this but singular skill in execution is a hundred percent brandon no question mm-hmm. yeah so 
They begin Super to explore cool. the possibility, the group here, that the set might be aware of this potential, as you'd mentioned earlier, turning this into the bomb that we're discussing for most of Chapter 19 from Steris and Wax's perspective. And Marisi is going to be set on the case, going to go invest investigate this in Bilming. But before this happens, Steris and Marisi share a quiet moment between each other about the world changing and their places in it. The conversation is interrupted as Wax blows himself up again classic including his mask in the moment trying to collect the harmonium for future use which caused the explosion likely when exposed to air or any of the other chemicals that could be in the box or anything in the room before they head up for tea to talk all of this over yeah i mean it it explodes there's gonna be particles and shit everywhere like it could be any number of things speaking of i know we talked about it needing to be stored in oil so it does because it reacts with water i'd be curious how it reacts to distilled water mm. if it if it's just like the minerality and like the the suspended like metals found in tap water mm-hmm. causing the interaction or if there's actual kind of interaction between hydrogen or oxygen yeah hydrogen or oxygen that would make sense too so we'll see it's a um, I, it's a good question. We just really don't, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I do really love Marisi and Steris's conversations here. Their relationship is definitely budding a lot more. They were pretty cold, not not necessarily cold to one another, but not close. And they're 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 getting closer, and it's cool to see. Yeah, they feel more like sisters here, which they didn't previously. I I mean, they did, right? They always had that feeling, but they were at a distance, especially as like Marisi described in Bands of Mourning that it was impossible to hate Steris, you know, Mm -hmm. like, but maybe difficult to love. And that was kind of the perspective that we got from that section. Not difficult, but, you know, like it was it was a more difficult or not even strained. I, I don't I love I love that description of like impossible to hate is it leaves them in an odd place and here again off screen over the course of six years it feels like they've started to work together a little bit more and started to like make those gears line up where previously there was a lot of shame in the way especially on marisi's side for the actions and behaviors of lord harms for breaking you know marriage vows basically we assume or for having a child out of wedlock regardless that left marisi a bastard but steris doesn't care about that she doesn't care about that at all she doesn't care about class or station nearly as much as she appeared to an alloy of law that was mostly a ruse because that's what people believed that she needed to care about so, yeah that's what they expected yeah absolutely mm-hmm. way to summarize my sentence in in or my like paragraph sentence in like one word that was what they expected yeah good yeah. good work expectation <laughs> is exactly the problem <laughs> fucker cool all right Let's go into chapter 18. We move to Marisi's perspective and we discuss with Alec the implication of Admiral Dahl's arrival and what that means from the perspective of the Malwish. He thinks it's a symbol of strength to show that they mean business, but not explicitly a threat, as we had sort of came away with from last week, as well as reiterating how upset they are about the Vance Morning being taken regardless. They equate it to basically having like a body stolen, which kind of a big deal as far as we might consider that but he admonishes himself in this moment as we discussed earlier for not not choosing to leave in the reflection of his choice to stay with marisi and take on this minor ambassadorship what, what do you make of alex's internal reflection and monologue in this moment about the malwish people in general 
I mean, it's it's pretty clear and pretty obvious that he's just racked with complicated feelings. I think his perspective on Admiral Dahl and their what they're actually doing might be the right one, but I don't think it matters if their mm. presence stirs up controversy in the people. Like the people are going to see it as an act of war, more or less, yeah. or they're they're going to be kind of easy to influence through the broadsheets and through whatever whatever forces want war can make this feel like war almost instantly yeah i think that's so interesting because this is like an exertion of the power of yellow papers right like this is this is that kind of influence and i feel like especially in the yellow papers that we get between this week and last week the broadsheet yellow papers you understand it fe- it has a distinct feel like that's the case with a lot of the different things that are being brought up like it's manipulated headlines for sure. Yeah. Else. That last comment regarding Maris, regarding his decision mm. not to, to not leave. Yeah. To stay. Yeah. Has to kind of hurt Marisy a little bit too, though. Right. Like the choice was to be with her, but to, to see him facing those decisions and really kind of contemplating them and, and, not being so confident in that choice. I mean, I'm not, I, I'm not going to say she's going to be that upset about it, but it's got to be a little bit of a twinge of complication, right? Or am I misunderstanding? No, I, I think I totally agree with you. I, I don't think that Marisi reads that as being like upset, but I could see where you could, you know what I mean? Like, I think that she, because they've been together for, you know, two years and before that kind of flirting on and off for four years, as it's described, I think that she gets it. I don't think that she takes it overly personally, but I think, you know, she feels that pressure for him mm-hmm. or through him. Right. So it's kind of combinate kind of a combination of the two, as it were. Yeah. Okay. Wayne shows up and Vendel returns from his conversation with Harmony, expressing the gods' concern over what happened and the way that Trellium pushes back against other forms of investiture. He also relays that Harmony is frightened in this moment. A a god terrified. Two gods. I mean, if you really think about it. But on top of that, Wayne is in serious pain and he spiked the tea that everyone is drinking in this moment of which Wax kind of keys into... I think at the I think end Marisi of this, does. sorry. Yeah. Marisi, Marisi keys into it. Sorry. There's it cuts. This was a little bit confusing in the reread. It cuts from like wax, like flinching. I think at drinking the tea to Marisi being like it spiked or something near that. There's a reaction from wax and it feels like a perspective swap, but it's not. Okay. I missed that. He had the, the harmony the, bit, the whole batch. I thought he just mm, spiked yeah. his own and Marisi's like, who would spike tea? And she was like confused by it. But I thought that he spiked the whole batch. This is a really short chapter and I know where it is. So give me one second. I believe you. I just missed it. So it is. It is just Marisi in the moment. Wax is talking and distracted. It is just Marisi. It's not wax. For some reason, I'd equated that as a wax thought, not a Marisi thought. But regardless, I mean, he did spike the whole thing. And then it's also just drinking the tea from the spout, which is really just a way of hiding that he's drinking from his flask. Yeah. Also, drinking the tea from a tea spout on a fucking kettle. Are you? <laughs> That's fucked. <laughs> That's I. You know, like, I'm of two minds of this, and I would love to hear what you pictured first before I describe the tea kettle in my brain. What t- 
type of tea kettle do you imagine? So I have this really small cast iron tea kettle. That's actually Jimmy's from college, mm. but he left it and I still have it. But it's just this little ornate sort of teapot. And that's what I imagine. What okay. do you imagine? So, you know, like those boiling water things that do the whistle, right? Like yeah. the, the big that's common the one, I, one I, I think it was a KitchenAid. Yeah, right. So like that's one that I imagined in my head, right? Which like was the first thing. And and he's just, like, he's drinking out of it, out of a push button barrel. And so he pushes <laughs> the button and the lid flops up and then he's just pouring it down his gullet. <laughs> Some kind of moron. You have thick barrel in that tea, vodka or tea whiskey, whichever it is. The alternate option is a gooseneck kettle. <laughs> In which case, he has to, like, really, like, try to, like, pour and angle it. And he can't go too fast, otherwise it pours out the top, like, all oh, over his face. Oh, no. He can't wear the tea. Yeah, exactly. So those are my two, but... Okay. Yeah. You know, I I'm think glad I'm we're probably right. I think you probably, probably are the closest. It's probably more like a porcelain, like, ornate serving kettle. You're totally right, Irving but I, my brain went the other directions. Both of those aren't tea kettles proper. Those are hot water pouring instruments, generally. There are some gooseneck tea kettles, so like, not going to count that out, but I think you're much more correct. <laughs> also, how fun is it that they're drinking tea, and I think the last time that they were drinking tea was an alloy of law when the bomb went off. So it's fun that we're kind of full circle in the bomb tea moment, yeah. being that the bomb went off beforehand and they're having tea this time. Mm-hmm. But we also get drinking through Wayne. We do get drinking because of Wayne, you bastard. PJ, because we took that brief break that people may or may not know of, what are you drinking right now? If you I have audience? just a little splash of Larceny bourbon. One nice. of the, I think it's one of the best, like, cheaper bourbons. Like, it's 25 Agreed. bucks, 24 bucks, something like that. And it, it hits well above its class. Yeah. It, it's what Bullet was like five years ago, if that makes yeah. sense. Like, because I yeah, think exactly. Bullet was a lot cheaper back when you know we were drinking it and like just buying whiskey and not really knowing what the hell we were doing. Because I, I swear to God, it was like a twenty-two dollar bottle, and Larceny is entirely in that class and definitely outpunches its weight. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah, uh, are you drinking the same thing? I am having the exact same beer. This is my second one of the night, so it's still Souls for Sale from Edward Teach Brewing out of Wilmington, North Carolina. Very nice. So, is there a new my, Our Flag Needs Death? When does, they've been when renewed for the a second season, but it's not out yet. I okay. think they finished filming recently, or maybe they started filming in November, something like that. Should be soon. Yeah. Yeah. I love that show. Continuing onward here, we, to round out this chapter, Marisi and the group begin to split to take care of their tasks. The sting on one side and wax with making his earring that Harmony requested he make on the other, kind of splitting into mostly one task group that is going to go out to Bilming and take care of this kind of fight that they have to do with the incursion against the set and the sting, as it were, and then wax deciding to stay back. Of course, with Steris and his family. What do you think about this additional, this third party split of the week? As well as Vendel following Marisi, which is fun as hell. Yeah, that seems weird. I would, I didn't expect mm -hmm. that, but that's, I guess it makes sense. And yeah. that effectively, assuming Wax allows for, uh, maybe if he just keeps the earring in, he mm -hmm. can have a direct like telephone effectively between Vendel and Harmony. Yeah. 
Right. So we'll see. Crazy that it's never been used that way. You know what I mean? I know. Like, it it is should be. insane that we haven't gone to that length. And I get it. I guess he's a god. Sure. But literally, this is your sword, as he's referred to in the next chapter. So <laughs> can he not use you to play a little bit of godly telephone? It, hey, Harmony, can you tell Steris to pick up eggs? I used the last one. <laughs> yeah. She's at the market. <laughs> she's at the market the right now she, and he's like no yeah i see her she she's past the dairy but she could probably go back she doesn't have enough clips can you send someone with more clips harmony says wax wax goes uh, can you tell can him to you put just it on the tab manifest it <laughs> manifest some clips real quick <laughs> that is exactly what would happen who and i would abuse god's power if, oh if my god of like course that. we would but we don't need it because we have telephones true true and venmo <laughs> we do have venmo venmo's great Venmo's <laughs> perfectly i, I says it all right pj here's the question here's the fun question we haven't done one of these in a long time i i'm remembering like beach a hot dog or salad on the beach red rising days so i have to pose this corn dogs if good one corn dog. what did i say hot dogs hot dogs yeah you said corn, hot dogs. Dogs. corn dog on the beach which corn dogs win of course no one's fucking eating a salad on the beach if sazed invented or would be the progenitor of a social network which one would be his oh god do you want um, me to list a couple just like you start it like give you give you yeah ammunition? yeah let's let's him? okay let's run we're gonna start with myspace reddit dig twitter book Instagram, TikTok, Mastodon, since that's new and upcoming. Discord. I think that's a decent list. I think that's most of them. That is a decent list. Oh, um, Yik Yak. We'll, we'll throw Yik Yak in there from back in the day for those who remember. <laughs> if, we're, if we're going with that, I'm going with Or yo. the Yo app. <laughs> oh, fuck you. You can't do Yo. <laughs> You're not wrong. No, I, I would say probably either like Reddit. Or so I, I think explicitly it's going to be something more anonymous than like Twitter or Facebook or anything like that. Like it, it's, it's going to be pushing against vanity as much as possible. Mm. So I think something like Reddit where it is more anonymous and like actually sharing content or like stack overflow. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Stack Overflow, really? <laughs> I guess I could have said like GitHub, right? Like that would have yeah. been funny to throw into the list. Interesting. I I do dig Reddit as a concept. I threw in Yik Yak at the last moment, and that does feel kind of kind of like Sazed's territory. Although it's not esoteric enough, so I'm going to add another one to the list, and it's breaking all of the rules. But Wikipedia, yeah. which does have a forum function and does have yeah i i think out of the list that i gave you i think i agree with you on reddit or dig which are basically the same thing but out of the extended list of wikipedia like that's that's where we are so says mm-hmm. it would invent reddit what would he call it Ooh, i think he'd probably call it copper mind which i mean is already yeah yeah in use so it feels shitty to say that but like that's basically what it is i Sorry, my parents are just now getting on their flight, so I'm just double-checking information. Mm-hmm. They're just boarding. I feel like you're right. I feel like you'd probably call it Copper Mind, which is already in use with the 17th Shard and their whole, like, back end, so that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. But, 
Yeah. He might just make the exact same thing that the 17th shard made. He probably would. I mean, like, he... <laughs> Actually, why didn't we consider the fact that he wouldn't just make, like, a random web forum? Like, Reddit is kind of a random web forum that's an amalgamation of a bunch of things. But I feel like he would actually make something very specific. Like, it would be a very specific forum. Yeah. Are you good, the forum? And if you just say yes or no, and that's your only option, it's like, yo, but you have two options. Thumbs up and thumbs down. Thumbs up and thumbs down. That's it. That's the whole thing. Are you good? And if if no, then he's going to be like, well, I got to try to figure it out. Yep. Cool. All right. Cool. Nice. Cool, rad, dope. All right. That was a a fun tangent. (laughs) It was a fun tangent. I wanted to engage in that because that was one of the thoughts that I had. I was like, says it social media like if if we take him you know into if we take it we know that brandon's planning on doing the okay so when we were at dragon steel were you in the room when he made the joke about like needing to make this book series potentially 16 books and so adding another trilogy okay just making sure that that was one stream and not the other by the cyberpunk series in theory if that were to exist or the space series you would have to address social media that'll be in 20 years can you imagine what social media will be in 20 years there's no way we're still using instagram maybe 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 it's got such such huge claws like it, it all of these social media sites I find it very difficult to see them dying. Even Twitter in this like tumultuous time with it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I understand. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's it's tough because I want to comment so badly on the current state of Twitter, but that is going to be so not interesting in T minus three weeks. So like, it's not going to matter. But yeah, I don't know. Twitter is interesting because I think we are seeing another social media death potentially in real time. But I think regardless to your point of claws being in, it's always going to be a slow death. Like even if something is going to die, it's not as though it will happen over a week. That's why the most recent thing that just happened this week to date the show precisely, the giving people bans or preventing people from posting links to any other social media is one of the most outrageous things done. I think it's already been overturned since he did that about a week ago. I only go... I used to be a daily... Did he do that yesterday? I think he ended it yesterday. He implemented it, I want to say, on Friday or Saturday or something like that. So, it, it very short time span that we're talking about in entirety. But I used to be a daily Twitter user, probably two hours a day. Like, bad. Like, bad doom scrolly habits. And now I go on to post about our shows that's it i i and like interact with people who send me direct messages that's it i'm not even logged into my own account on my phone because mm-hmm. it just got so outrageous with all the changes all the time that it didn't feel like the same thing and now i'm like if i posted a link to our fucking instagram on any of our shit or every time i link to our website that has the social links like how far does this stretch does it stretch to like a captivate link for instance not that we use captivate but a great example tales of Kana does for right now like where does this end you do unfortunately dominate my life and my ability to market our show and i hate it but yeah anyway that's just a side tangent i didn't mean to <laughs> no you could praise ellen yeah yeah 
big, big dude. Yeah, big cool big, guy. Big dude. I do the meme of him getting voted out of his own company by Twitter on poll is the funniest shit I've ever seen. It is definitely a big troll, I think, but I think yeah. he was p- probably planning on stepping down after a number of different actions were received poorly. So mm-hmm. better to have a puppet CEO in the way than a controversial one. Anyway, let's talk about chapter 19, which is the longest chapter that we have to talk about in this entire book. PJ, this chapter in terms of notes that I have to talk about is the equivalent of three chapters. Usually it's like a almost two full pages. Yeah, it's a lot. I don't remember something this aggressive since like the day of red doves almost like that esque mm-hmm. era, but we'll see if you can hold my attention through the whole thing. We'll see if we can do it. We're <laughs> going to round this out. We can close it down. All right. We cut forward three days and wax is reflecting on the preparation of the night and the state of the world, both the advancements in technology and the reduction in the night that he sees the mists out. But PJ, we got to give these silly phrases. The couple say a shot here. And I say that if you say it well, the other person takes a drink and that's the rule. Okay. I'm down. Ready? All right. I've got to coat my throat with like numbness first. Sure. Sure. Do we want to have to say it two or three times? Like maybe not in a row, but like, what what do you think makes sense? Just single shot. Let's see how it goes. If it's too easy, we'll, we'll ramp it up. <coughs> I feel like they're, they're supposed to be those repeated phrases though. Does it? Okay. Yeah. Let's you know, do like, they're supposed to be three, three, three times. Yeah. Three feels fair. All right. All right. Should I start? Yeah, you'll start this phrase. I will start the next phrase after we both do each phrase. Okay, cool. Okay. Pickled pachyderm plays piano. Pickled pachyderm plays piano. Pickled pachyderm plays piano. Good work. Good work. That's good. Pickled pachyderm plays piano. Pickled pachyderm plays piano. Pickled pachyderm plays piano. I feel like you stumbled a little bit. I think I did on the first one. I'm not gonna. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I'm still because I wanted to say pachyderm, but I stumbled, well so I drank. Right? Like, if I stumble, I drink. I think I, I think this isn't a one or the other. Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. All right. It was sitting in a small swimming pool. It was sitting in a small swimming pool. It was sitting in a small swimming pool. I almost ran out of air. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't take, an, take right. enough breath. It was sitting in a small swimming pool. It was sitting in a so- small swimming pool. It was sitting in a small <laughs> sw- swimming pool. <laughs> <laughs> good work cheers on that one for sure <laughs> i will say i peppered the rest of this chapter with my notes with alliterations so i'm very excited to fuck it up after this moment i decided to write a bunch in so good some assonance good. and consonants but what do you make of the reflection i i love this scene setting again like this is one of the things that I, I think I complained about a little bit is that a lot of the original descriptions in the original trilogy of Mistborn felt very plain. It felt very simple, and it was so simple that it felt like I lost the soul of the picture that he was trying to paint. And I feel like this is a great example of capturing that soul, where even though he's not describing the grand vastness of the city, he's describing it from the idea that Wax is taking pictures to show the advancement of time and technology and how much it changes day to day to day. And even though it's just a fucking time lapse that he's describing, that's so cool from this lower technological standpoint. Yeah. Yeah, it's I hadn't really put a lot of weight into that in the previous books, the the quiet mm-hmm. moments and this the serenity, but this is well captured. 
Yeah, I just don't think they're highlighted. And I, I don't, it's it's just not the focus, right? And that's not mm-hmm. something that I think Brandon pays a whole ton of, doesn't put a ton of attention on. Because he wants you to kind of paint the photo in your mind, so he gives you the idea, right? That's the whole window frame ideology that he kind of sits with. But I like a little bit. And so I appreciate when he gives a little bit more, just to give you kind of a little bit of a painting of a direction that we're going in. And the bright lights, no mists, you know, kind of that thing. Paints a paints an interesting picture and feeds into what we learn at the end here with harmony as well. So and the changes there over the last year, but the pair of Steris and Wax be- continue to explore the broadsheets to see for any signs or sightings of anything strange. Of course, Wax is suffering some old after effects from the explosion, like thinking he's glimpsing blue lines without burning metals and just general after effects from that secondary wave, concussive wave, potentially. When Steris stumbles upon something of shocking significance. Okay, I mean, like, maybe not, but it moves into the maybe pile at the very least, and they've begun to be like, okay, this is not important, this is not important, they've got a lot of, like, fun titles about, like, I mean, all kinds of different things. I mean, we just read a couple, right, that were the the title lines for these things. When Wax has a realization that his adventuring days are behind him and that he's past that stage of his life, the only thing that's keeping him clinging to this quest is that his sister is still out there. I am fully expecting these sort of after effects, as you've mentioned, to further manifest mm. or be intentionally exploited. Like, I am fully on the train that, like, this is something actually mystical, magical, and not just, like, a concussion. <laughs> what, um, what do you think? It, it'd be really a magic concussion. It'd be very funny. But what do you what do you think it could be? I mean, he was next to the explosion, right? Like, he... Yeah. There could be shrapnel in him. Mm. Like in his... I mean, he's not bleeding, his penis. Though, as far as we're aware. Mm. Blew off the mask. I mean, that's about what we get. But in his yeah. penis, is that what you said? <laughs> or it, it blew off his mask, <laughs> you so maybe snuck he that one it. in. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he inhaled it? Okay. Okay. But probably the penis. Probably. Probably. <laughs> Probably a dick thing. Yeah, you're right. It's cool. definitely a dick thing. For sure a dick thing. For, yeah. for, for sure. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is leading to all kinds of unfortunate images. I'm so sorry. Skip ahead if you don't want a really crazy dick joke I'm for a second. I'm sorry. I'm imagining now Wax having like a dick compass, like fully erect, <laughs> pointing in the proper direction. Just shooting of blue beams metal. out of it. <laughs> No, not beams. It doesn't need to shoot anything out of it. I'm well, just not imagining physically, it. but like he looks oh, at it. Oh, where's the like... look? Yeah, the lines are usually from the chest, but instead they're from his dick, and it's just lower. And so he keeps messing up, pulling on metal, like or pushing off metals because he's like a little bit off from where it's usually measured. <laughs> God damn it! Just, he's he's trying to. We're doing so well, PJ. Yeah. <laughs> Three tangents in a row. Imagine when he gets his Mistborn abilities and he starts using iron and he tries pulling something to his chest and just hits him in the dick. <laughs> when he gets his Mistborn abilities? Yeah. You, just gonna assume, you know it's going to happen. <laughs> you just assume he's going to be a Mistborn. It's the series name. He's going to be a, you know. He's just going to pick up the bands again, if anything. Come on. Yeah. Same deal. Um, it, th- I think this is an important question 
to some degree. Do you, for me, I was a little bit shocked at this point that we didn't see more of the tech from bands crop up in this. You know what I mean? Like, it's almost like designed, talked about in the plot, and now, like, we aren't even thinking about it for the most part outside of the Almantic Grenade and Ant Metal at large. I think it's probably because they they have a strained relationship right now with the Malwish. So, mm. like, the mm-hmm. technology that they're able to get is coming through Alec, and what he's able to get, he's giving to Marisy. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think that's probably the biggest part of it is like they don't really have open trade. Yeah, we get that from Admiral Dahl too, right? Like they're it's very limited the full exchange, which is another reason that this doesn't show up that frequently. I love that. That's a great, great reason, great mm-hmm. rationale. Cool. All right. Did you <laughs> did you have any thoughts about the the pile of paperwork that they're staring at? Oh, that was hilarious. That was that yeah. was great. Just the the mm-hmm. organizational like I do not envy research without computers. <laughs> Like I'm so glad <laughs> the process. that by the time we were in middle school or in elementary school, like there were some computers in most, I don't think we ever elementary school was early enough that the only computers were really like in the library, but the teachers, I guess probably had one. I definitely had after, I guess this is my, memory is when i switched schools in fourth grade you know between third and fourth grade we had computers in the library everywhere that's what i, I that's don't what I'm remember saying. okay like as opposed to in the classroom we're just like oh okay yeah, yeah yeah sorry i i thought you were saying that they weren't in the library and i was like no I no, no, no that's the only lining the walls of the library the only place they yeah. were it was like an event to go to the library or yes. to the computer right. lab and then, yeah. yeah, there was also the computer lab room, which was separate. We we had, like, in at the school that I went to, we had it, like, lining the walls for the most part around the entire library, and then also a lab. Most of the other schools that were modeled after the same design, I'm trying not to out our elementary schools for some reason, <laughs> but most of the schools that were modeled after the same design had a second room, but ours didn't for some reason. I don't know why they're almost identical in a ton of ways, but there are a lot of small differences between those three schools in St. Clair, Minnesota. You can go Google it now. Fucks. I mean, folks, I mean, fucks. (laughs) but I guess what I'm saying is by the time we got to the point where we're doing research, yeah, we knew how to use the internet. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Which was, yeah, right. I can't imagine pouring through broadsheets like this. Yeah, we are that bubble generation that never had to learn how to use the, I forget what they're called, which also makes me sound so ignorant because I was going off on this incredible tangent. The the like newspaper scanning device that you could use yeah. to like, flip through. I forget what it's called. Uh, please, anyone who knows what it is, tweet at me and make fun of me for being young you could also just google newspaper scanning absolutely not we're not doing that we are not (laughs) doing that we are going twitter is now our google (laughs) ignorant (laughs) provide us with that information before the next episode or we will leave razor blades on your lawn Mm -hmm. like jigsaw we won't do that but but they'll be like (laughs) they'll just rub like shaving shaving like shaving razors (laughs) like bic razors (laughs) Just scattered like a bunch of a bunch of three blade bic razors like two buck razors everywhere <laughs> mm-hmm. 
I think that, yep. I think that's a living with jigsaw joke. It's definitely a living with jigsaw joke. <laughs> yeah, accidentally on purpose. Your, your floor is covered with razor blades. Lasers. It's just like pink razors all over the floor. Yeah. Hilarious. Mm. Um, anyway, okay. All right. There is <laughs> a return to our conversation surrounding the kind of both worlds slash the dress conversation that we've had a number of times and the internal conflict our protagonists of Mistborn have consistently danced with over the course of this series. Steris makes her opinion on the matter fairly explicit, saying, so long as you know you don't have to be one or the other, you don't have to see yourself as two men, Wax, with two different lives. Those men are the same person, and he's the one that I love. And this is so great as a, like, as a dual phrase from what Ellen said. It's the same thing. Yeah brought into context oh this is so touching I got shivers I, yeah. it's really cool how we get the same thread continued throughout two series and two main protagonists in two pretty similar positions mm-hmm. but yeah it's the spiritual successor and it's really cool I never expected you to latch into this so much when we were having the conversation the first time. Like, I never expected you to get so upset about the dress and for it to become this big thing. I expected to be able to talk about the way that there's always these dueling sides of people throughout the series, which includes Kelsier, which we didn't really talk about. But we focused so hard on Vin that it's it's just been so fun to bring up the dress every time as this, like, central point. And so yeah. great to kind of to great aplomb arrive in this moment and to have it be so similar and also dynamically and differently represented here as that that lawman of the roughs and the proper senator now here Mm -hmm. so good so fun yeah super cool yeah love it love that we're not arguing about it again though because you know that i'm right no i don't (laughs) Yeah, you do. I still firmly (laughs) disagree with you. (laughs) All right. So Wax presents the second earring and has come to terms with the fact that he can't ignore this any longer as he he has requests in the past to show up, as we had mentioned with Vendel earlier, where a year ago he was supposed to be summoned to do this thing. And we'll talk about that in a moment as this has grown outsized in a number of ways that he can no longer handle on the earthly plane. And Steris asks the question of whether or not there actually could be another Ashfall. And I think that's kind of an important one. And as a part of that, she begins to put together the side of things that they should be looking for and adds this sort of natural disaster component to their search. She begins to look for earthquakes where they found an answer potentially is in the building of a subway under Bilming and the likelihood that they've potentially developed this bomb that we've been theorizing and they could be practicing using it underground to discover. Obviously, that would be hidden because we know that there are other explosions that have happened when excavating the rail system for Ellendale. So it would be... It would be Something that would be reported on, not considered unusual, but still unusual for the populace, and therefore something that the papers would write about. And he comes to the conclusion that it's time to talk to Harmony. This is some great 
sleuthing. What this tells us is that while we already knew the set was comprised of some really powerful people and they had a lot of reach, this indicates it goes way further than that. And they effectively have control over the entirety of Bilming's government and like public works program to be able to maintain such a cover up for so long. Mm. Like they just own Bilming. They'd have to where it would get discovered. Yeah, of course, naturally. And that begs the question of, like, how long has the set owned Bilming to, like, make this be a thing? Like, how long have they been building this up? We know it's been a roughs town. We know that Wax has been there previously. You know, what's the city look like? Yeah, it's one of the blossoming towns. It's one that's talked about in the previous previous novels and the broadsheets. Yeah, I mean, they have a highway system. I think that's in one of the broadsheets. They have a... Mm -hmm. uh, like elevated rail system that mentions. Yeah. 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 And they have enough people that they have legitimate justification for building a subway as well. Like this is a huge town. Mm -hmm. It has to be. Yeah. I think it's graduated from town to like city. I mean, yeah, yeah. in that regard, right. It's not like, it's not like the big city by any stretch, but the idea that they, you know, decided to pull in new york city and go from their above ground rail to an underground rail is a big deal it's a big transition i mean not even chicago has fully done that that's not this felt chicago, more like chicago reality in that they they were using they were going to use both like right. yeah it was just, I, I wasn't i wasn't trying to yeah. shunt that i was just saying that like that evolution of like adding that to the repertoire felt very New York City versus, and New York City also has above ground rail for the record in Brooklyn and in Queens and in the Bronx. So, yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah, just Manhattan's cool. underground. Yeah, so so much happens in this conversation with Harmony that it's gonna like we could talk about this all fucking day. There are so many different notes. I had a tough time trying to reduce this down to like congest digestible questions. Congestible. That's gonna live with me forever, isn't it? Congestible questions. But let's start where he starts. That the redness that we saw previously in Bands of Morning has invested in the planet and invested in Harmony himself, preventing him from seeing like he used to, being this sort of semi-omnipresent or omnipotent power and preventing him from seeing the future for now. It seems as though he's claiming that he will reclaim those senses in a couple of years because he can't block out of shard forever seems to be sort of the rationale but what'd you make of this whole like i am being actively combated by a different force yeah it's pretty fucking heavy <laughs> it's pretty fucking crazy yeah that's insane and the yeah. fact that it happened about a year ago is a lot of time mm-hmm. for them to make plans and act on those plans right under harmony's blindness like just that's that's a lot. They mm-hmm. could have done so much in that time. Right. It is a difficult equation to square if you are wax in this moment, being like, holy shit, you're telling me that like another force is oppressing you? That previous force that you described as like trying to invade the world has done it? Like, we're past that point? And then Harmony's like, yeah, if you would have helped like a year ago, maybe we could have done something about it, but you didn't. Which you can't also pin on Wax necessarily. It's Harmony's fault for fucking up in the beginning so the Wax didn't believe or trust in him in the long run. Kind of. Mm-hmm. 
you can get into the other side of that argument, which is that like that was the best result of everything. So this was the only way that it was going to go to begin with. But we then learn so much more, PJ. We learn that Trell is autonomy, of whom we've mentioned a little bit here, another one of the shards of Andalnasium held by a woman named Bavadin, and that she uses avatars to influence other worlds. Autonomy also offered Harmony an ultimatum, demanding that Seiza leave so that she could have control of Scadriel. He also reveals that Telson is the avatar of Autonomy now on this world, invested by her directly, with the power of a full deity at her beck and call in her hands. That's so fucked. It's so fucking crazy. That's so fucked. I say full with caveats like obviously she's an avatar it's not full-born but yeah you know like it's still crazy it answers the questions of where the ash mounts could come from mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i am curious about trell's motivations in this because that doesn't seem to be addressed like why okay why so here's do this go ahead sorry didn't mean no no go for it motivation is important we should definitely talk about motivation we have to clarify language a little bit here right autonomy is like the top end right bavadin is like sazed trell isn't either but is an invested version of telson is trell kinda okay so that that was the clarity that I wanted to like leverage on top of this, right? That's fair. I'm not saying that's necessarily true, but Trell is dictated to be an avatar, so we have to assume potentially that Telson is Trell. Trellson. Kinda, maybe. Trellson. <laughs> yeah. They both sort of well done. Call her. Yeah. So Bavadies. Yeah. But autonomy then. What is autonomy's yes. motivation throughout all this? Like what is Boom. the reason for taking control of this world is it just conquest is it is it a grab for power like is it all of autonomy coming or is it just just spreading i believe that harmony says in this moment that when confronted by autonomy previously by trell and before it reveals bavadin that it was a it was that like she was planning on extinguishing the world because it poses a danger and a threat to other worlds. So okay. that appeared to be why. And then Telson basically fought for it to live. And then she also offered Harmony the ultimatum of like, I'll take care of this. You can back off. We'll be good. We'll be good, bro. Shake hands. <laughs> Say yes. Well, we don't see that on screen. You know, that's kind of how it feels. Yeah. So that true. feels like that sort of weight, if that makes sense to clarify. Okay. Yeah, I'm ready for a god fight. I'm I'm ready for I'm ready for Wayne to don the bands of mourning once again and be further imbued with avatar like power from from Harmony. Wayne or Wax? Wax? Oh, oh, I meant Wax. You, but you now said I Wayne, it to be Wayne, but like Wayne, I said, yeah, yeah. Right. I said Wayne. You said Wayne. I meant Wax, mm-hmm. but now I mean Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Love that. That's super fun. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's again, this gets to the gloves off thing, right? Like, wherein 
the first two books of the original Mistborn trilogy played around with in the background with Preservation and Ruin. This one's like, all right, I need to make this very clear what's going on and just throws those gauntlets on the fucking floor. Is like, here's the deal. There are some shards. There are a bunch of gods. Some of them rule other planets and they don't like other gods. <laughs> like, here we are. <laughs> yep. I mean, talk about dropping the gauntlet. To me, this is one of those moments that it's just, fuck this. I have to explain. It's a big deal. Gods are a problem. Dude, wax, you're my guy. And that's sort of the the whole mantra throughout this is like, I need you to be my guy. I've trained you to be my guy. Can you be my guy one last time? He, he agrees to do it one last time. But he does. He agrees. He's his guy. Yeah, right. <laughs> so Harmony shares so much more information, though, on this as well about shards and their intent and explains what the goal of Bavadin is and what the goal of Telson Trell is and how she appreciates autonomous big plans and thoughts functioning without intervention. I think this is so fascinating and also explains perhaps why these shards reacted so violently to each other when they're slammed against each other, right? Is this opposing intent of which I tried to make a big deal of intent beforehand. What's interesting again is I reiterated this in the second Secret History episode, there is little eye intent and there's big eye intent, and they mean very different things. But what do you think of of this sort of more cosmological reveal on some physics, on some perspective of how things work, as well as Telson, the world, everything else about Shard's intent and whatnot? Yeah, I. it makes me curious about the other god medals. And their interactions with each other. And if that's fluid, specifically. Like, Mm. if they're at odds with each other, they'll react violently. But if they're aligned, maybe they work together. They they can be blended. Coaxed. And if their disposition changes, does that interaction change as well? Interesting. I like that. I like that quite a bit. I think that that is a a fun spin on the idea. Mm-hmm. Like we're fighting. Our medals don't work anymore. <laughs> we're buddies. Our medals we're work buddies. right now. <laughs> yeah. Let's give somebody right? unconceivable power. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is kind of harmonium, though. I mean, like that's the whole I, like that is kind of two forces being forced to be buddies, even though they are at odds with each other. Mm-hmm. yeah but they're at odds with each other but they are also together like they cannot mm-hmm. be separated right so, yeah similarly the metal can't be like i wonder if yep. that's the sort of jump there perhaps yeah mm-hmm. what do you think about telson having all this information and now being kind of the back the pocket fucked. god yeah that's so fucked <laughs> Isn't it messy? How long has this been going? Right. Like, how long has she been the avatar? Was it just that year ago when when everything got invested? Or was it before that? What's it mean to have another god invested on this planet to begin with? Like, suddenly, like, pressing their existence and their force into it. What's that mean? Like, there, there are so many questions that that poses. Is there suddenly another magic system on the world? Is there suddenly, like... All kinds of shit. All kinds of shit. All kinds of shit. Yeah. Very excited to explore 
yeah it's not like it fundamentally alters the dna of people that takes time but like right. still is there more magic different magic the fuck maybe yeah be pretty cool i do have a fun question for you if you had to think of the couple of shards that we've been exposed to in the story so far, what can you think of any other intents that you think would be on that chart of 16? What do you like any other? Okay. So thinking about the shards that we know their names, ruin preservation, and obviously autonomy at this point, there are a couple of others that have been hinted at that I'm not going to be explicit about, but I'm going to in Elantris and the like incense and secret history and whatnot. But those three, right? Like we've got three ideas. Yeah. What other shards out there and what do you think they're, what other shards oh, are there? Out I there understand. What do you think their intents are? Yeah. Okay. Just, just some predictions. You don't need to make all of them, but like, what do you think are a couple? I could see like light and shadow. Okay. Just, but that's not like a, that's not really intention. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think more descriptive. Hunger? Mm, okay. Which feels like Elantris. <laughs> no, I mean, but but yeah. I think that's a good one. Like, it's a it's a thing, right, that people uh, feel. It's, it's on the... I think, to me, one of the first things that my brain gravitated towards was the Maslow's Pyramid of Needs and then starting to break it down, right? Like, try to break it into chunks. Yeah. Not yep. like security necessarily, but like what what do people need? What are people composed of? Well, we not the physical aspects. I'm not talking. I know, you know I know, but I, I have a good one. Hmm? What's your good one? Color, <laughs> color. Which I mean, we. Okay. But I don't know if that's the. I don't. You don't know, know if that's man. the short's intent. Okay, I was just curious if you had any on your <laughs> oh, on the top know, of your I mind. Know, know. It doesn't need to be, uh, you know, it's not a big deal or anything like that. But I was just curious if you had dreamed it any. Will be. It will it's a, be. A big it's a good deal. question to ask in the future. Now that I put that on your on yeah, your mind, I'm going to so need to we'll reapproach this. Think. Yeah, yeah. We'll reapproach this now that that well, I think, has been firmly opened. Um, yeah. So. All right. Sazed, as kind of a final note on the interaction that we have with Harmony in the realm here, explains the need for the second spike to connect to Telson directly to see her plans. And in some ways, like the connection that Vin and Rune had in the old days, be able to kind of tie into that, to access that, and to use it against them, potentially. Harmony is really doing his best here and is explaining absolutely everything here that he can to ask wax as he agrees to be his sword to stop telson as his final quest for the shard harmony but he can't only be a sword he's a lawman and he's going to get to the truth of this which again dances right back into the hands of our dress equation which is that he cannot separate these two halves of himself and he is a full person that is composed of all of these things Mm -hmm. what what do you think of the moment here in which he accepts and acknowledges harmony and decides to go on this quest for him The amount of information throughout this whole sort of meeting is staggering. The fact that he'd be connected to Telson like that is terrifying and interesting. I do really appreciate one of the main points made at the end there when he was kind of on the fence about doing that and like felt like it was a bad idea. Harmony tells him that like, this is a tool. You don't have to use it all the time. You don't have to use it at all if you don't want to, but you have access to it and it will probably come in handy. So I I liked that sort of framing of this thing. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. I think it's important because it gives him an out for not needing to use it or not choosing to use it in different moments. So, mm-hmm. And I think that's important. All right. Wax then cuts from that other reality with God back to Steris and catches her up on the details when there is a knock at the door and a package of 16 vials filled with various metals arrives and a note seemingly from Harmony himself as though he'd prepared these in advance. He takes them and brandishes his weapons in preparation for the battle to come vindication 2 of which we've previously seen the model of vindication is described by renette as well as the steel survivor of which is mentioned as the sort of other gun that's intended to take people down with the equivalent of kind of hemorrhagic spikes as it's described it needs enough mass and force to be this sort of extra propulsory weapon both forcibly remove spikes right yes yeah right so it's it's mm-hmm. some sort of grippy it's it's interesting we'll see how it actually works in combat eventually i'm sure um i i know as well as a mysterious third gun that he decides (laughs) to put back in the box because he's not ready to take out the big gun yet as it's referred to the big gun the the steel survivor i imagine like the bike gun thing that farmers use to euthanize cattle <laughs> but it had multiple didn't it have two chambers or something like that like it was a not yeah. a shotgun by any stretch but it had a couple right no but just the fact that it was stated that it's used to forcibly remove spikes i think that's the second yeah. barrel is it's just like a big punch mm-hmm. just punch him yeah. out which is terrifying <laughs> yeah as a weapon mm-hmm. did did it say if those 16 vials were all the same metal it didn't say anything. It said that there were metal flakes suspended in solution. The final one had a red cap on it, though. And it also said to use them instead of his standard vials. So. Yeah. I don't think it was instead of, but I think it was. Yeah. In place. Continue. Like, yeah. It said to right. use them in place of his, his standard ones. So I, either it's one of every metal, which would be fucking awesome. Or it's like a special set of steel alloyed with harmonium or something. Use the others instead of your normal vials. Yeah, yeah. That's a great question. Is what exactly is that final? So you think that it's like steel with what? Harmonium? Harmonium. I don't know. Mm. What do you think harmonium would do when burnt by an alamancer? Something pretty cool. I don't know. Maybe make them... Something kind of (laughs) neat. Well, I mean, I don't think it'd be as simple as flight because Mm -hmm. that's kind of (laughs) done. It's kind of covered already. What if it's, what if it is just both ATM ATM. and Lorassium? Like it just does both of them. Great. Uh, Great question. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. Okay. Well, PJ, our chapter ends with Wax talking to his son, Max, saying that he's going to go fight the monsters, requesting requesting that Steris take his place as a part of the Senate while he's away fighting. And man, what Max's words at the end here, they hit home as Wax strikes out towards Bilming as the world flies past. I just love that like little, like, you're going to go fight the monsters, and it's like, it's such... Tells him to go it find reminds me, treasure. Yeah, well, 
it reminds me of when Matt Mercer decides to play a little kid in a, it, whenever he picks up a little kid in the campaign you just want to yeah. like cry and like support and listen to every single word that that person says it's exactly that but it's so so cute such a cute little kid Maxillium. yeah right mm-hmm. yeah okay so okay we get to okay so here's the plan we get to broadsheet number two here any thoughts any i mean we talked about a couple of them as we move through but what were your thoughts on the second broadsheet yeah so the there's a few things i think there's like four things total on here one of them is an ad for drugs and i've never heard the term druggist before but i don't know if that's real (laughs) like is that a real term I would be shocked if that weren't like an early term for pharmacist. Yeah. Retailer of medicinal drugs, a druggist. Yeah. Historically. A drow, a draugist in, I'm sure I'm saying that wrong in French because I don't know how to pronounce anything in French, but yeah. Why is it always French with you? (laughs) I can't, I can't do French, fam. So I think all the other sections have something at least kind of important on it the first one is the missing editor who is very clearly a terrorist person based on name don't know what that could be but i'm assuming it's probably because of hemallergy and they probably stole her ferrochemical powers i'm guessing second is the earthquakes and booming that we've talked about so i won't really go too far into it but it makes me wonder and assume that maybe this is that broadsheet that they were reading, or one of them. And then Alamancer Jack has or had a sidekick with the same pseudo last name as Wayne. Mm-hmm. So it it does beg the question of whether or not that's similar to the sort of bastard last names of like Game of Thrones, almost where it's like you didn't have one, or you were born in a specific region or of a specific blood type, and so you're. That's what they had said. That uh, yeah, okay. When, I just want to make when they talked about it with Wayne. I couldn't remember if that was. Con- connotated here it so was it was when he was talking check. about the paperwork and he said they'd put got terrorist got got or terrorist born terrorist born yeah terrorist yeah. born as the last name okay because he didn't have sense. one checks out for okay. me checks out Thanks. this yeah makes me wonder how many of these stories are actually wax and wayne's stories that are just attributed and like stolen to alamaster like, jack yeah yeah, entirely, right? Mm-hmm. The The fact that Jack is real, again, getting back to this, and, like, not a fictional rendition of everything that, like, some writer was writing about them, that was my thought, right. reading through the series originally. Exactly. I was like, oh, some fiction writer has, like, taken this and ran with it, but Alamancer Jack is actually a real person of whom maybe burns tin? Like, we don't really know, but we assume so. I, it just, it stretched my imagination to a point of where I was stuck scratching my head of, like, I knew you felt fictional before you felt like Indiana Jones. Like you're not real, but you're inspired by real things and real people to some degree, mm-hmm. but fantasized about elements Jack just has too much quasi realness to him now that I, I don't know what to believe. I don't know what to believe right. Brandon. That's why, that's why I brought it up. Cause it feels more confusing yeah. now. <laughs> right. Entirely. I'm, I'm so with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that, PJ is the end of part one, which is really a beginning of the end. I mean, the end of the beginning of the end. (laughs) 
fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. But like, come on. How dare you? Which um, I think is just the yeah. end, right? I think it's just the end. Yeah. The end of the beginning of the end is the end. <laughs> the end. I'm I'm so excited to chat more about this and to go forward. Speaking of, I know that I've done this a week prior and I'm going to do it one more time. I'm going to skip the predictions only because of the predicament that I am in tonight and what I need to get accomplished. But next week we will, I promise, open with predictions because there are a good number of them that we have to pay off. So Mm -hmm. we will do that at the beginning of next week. So next week, PJ, we continue to read The Lost Metal. We begin part two reading chapters 20 through 31. Mm -hmm. Another thing we'll be recording is a short pour on Warbreaker. So we're going to do that all in one shot, but if you want to very excited to talk about Warbreaker, along, you should read that. Not only that, PJ, but by the end of next month, maybe at the beginning of February, we'll 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 decide what we end up deciding to do here. We're going to have the first secret project out to yeah. talk about and to do. That's January 1st, baby, is when that comes out. So um, Are we going to get that delivered on January 1st? We're going to get audiobook and e-reader immediately uh, at midnight, but the physical books, it sounds like, have been delayed until either the end of the month or the first or second week of February. So, okay. unintentionally, but just manufacturing delays and just the number of people that wanted this, but they still want to deliver as much as they can, so they're mm-hmm. doing the books as soon as they can, and the only people that get them at launch... There's a delay. There's a whole explanation. There's a further explanation coming out with the state of Sanderson. I will provide that at the beginning of the episode or at the beginning of next episode. We'll, we'll talk about it because we'll okay. want to, you know, preface what our plan is. Perfect. So cool. Again, reminder, lost metal 20 through 31. So that's where we'll leave you for this week. Thank you as always to Tim and Andrew for making the show possible. It like seriously would be so insanely not happening without you you can check out the links in our show notes you can find our schedule our patreon our previous episodes our websites and all of our social media accounts in one very convenient location yes and in case you weren't aware we are words whiskey pod on twitter instagram and reddit we had someone recently say that we should have a subreddit so that people can follow along with us i've always been intending this to be our username address but if you think we should have a subreddit or do a subreddit send us an email at words and whiskey show at gmail.com or tweet at us or send us a message on instagram don't if you tweeted us <laughs> don't link to reddit and maybe spell it differently <laughs> give us give us a nudge in a different direction that mm. won't get it blocked yeah so send us send us to you to us how you can but you can also support us on patreon.com forward slash words and whiskey and we also have t-shirts on t public i i know i keep doing this but i had a meeting with andrew this week we are so close to launching the new idea it is so exciting he's ran tests that's where we're at so yeah that's awesome yeah very cool that is exciting thank you everybody for your support listening means the world it's great and i can't wait to push out more content for you more hungry hungry ear holes yes i think i i just want to i want to throw in here as well we're so happy to be like a top 10 percent podcast this last year it's so incredible thank you so much for listening to the show 
and uh, consistently jumping on. If you haven't left us a review, we'd really appreciate it. But seriously, it's mind boggling on episode 131 today recording to like have this kind of support. So thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's because of viewers like you. Yeah. PBS. (laughs) Let's go. (laughs) Let's go. (laughs) Talk to you later. Yeah.